Welcome to and Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And great Scott, it's Back to the Future. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Jo, how are you doing today? Oh, when this drops, it's a new year, <laughs> That's true. Jeff. Oh, man. Right now, it's the old year. Barely, <sighs> but slightly. We are speaking to you from the past. So what we are actually transmitting back to the future, oh, I wow, guess. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm... I'm I don't know. I've made no resolutions, <laughs> but I stopped doing those years ago. Yeah. So, the resolution um, was just to get to 2021. You know, the resolution uh, is just we like, uh, take each hour as it comes, take, baby. Oh, each hour. Yeah, go live it. I, I, live my, I live my life one hour at a time. <laughs> truly, truly, truly. The pandemic I live my life lifestyle. a quarter hour at a time. <laughs> Some, sometimes. But this quarter hour, I'm feeling good, Jeff. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm going to say, this quarter hour, I'm feeling frisky. <laughs> And you know what? I'm feeling frisky too. Um, I'm good. I'm good. Excited to talk about this film because this film rules. It's so good. Yeah. What a lovely, lovely, lovely film. Uh, so let's get into it. Back to the Future is a sci-fi adventure comedy that came out on July 3rd, 1985, and was directed by Robert Zemeckis and written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. Amy Jo, what's your experience with Back to the Future? Had you seen it before? I had. I definitely watched this a few times in my youth. I believe mm-hmm. I saw Back to the Future 3 in theaters, but I, I, I could oh, be wow. very wrong about that. I, yeah. And if you were to tell me the year that that came out, I could probably ascertain whether or not that was correct. I think it was like 1990 or 1991. Then this I would came not out- have seen 85 and then back to the future 2 i think came out 89 and then back to the future 3 in 1990 because those then they did like i think they shot them back to back those two sequels wow my parents definitely would not have taken me to see back to the future 3 in the year of our lord 1990 i would have been like (laughs) seven so no what what? it's just a fun little time travel adventure to some cowboys cowboy town we we just would not have i don't think so Um, (laughs) oh that's inappropriate i well i don't know again i've only seen it the once i don't know i don't know anyway um what I, I, I've seen I, them I forgot all. that in the third film, they add a, just a ton of boobs, tons of F-bombs. There's that scene where Marty McFly just takes out, you know, a chainsaw. It's in the Wild West, no less. It's very strange. Not what we would have been going to see. Also, my brother would have been mm-hmm. five, which it just sure. seems like a young age to be watching. I like guess. a, oh, a, a uh, semi-high concept film. I guess. Anyway, um, yes, I'd seen this movie a few times but i not it wasn't one that was on constant loop in our house and when i say constant loop i mean with the princess bride we would finish the vhs oh, yeah. and rewind, rewind. it and yeah. start it again mm-hmm. without ever would it leave mm-hmm. the confines yeah. of, the VCR. <laughs> of the vcr you had to get a second vcr for anything else you're like well this can't leave the vcr the princess this is the this is the it vcr for the princess bride so we didn't have it i don't even know that we owned it maybe we did the the thing was my brother and i both a bit obsessive so when we liked something oh, sure. oh we got a lot of play yeah. um so i feel like if we owned this it would be likely we would have played it a lot but um regardless i saw it a few times but i hadn't seen it in probably 20 years um so watching this i like the whole beginning i was like wait what i thought this started in a parking lot like well, yeah. i truly had forgotten everything up until the libyans arrived right, and then i was right. like oh this is ringing some bells <laughs> i remember the plot i yeah, remember the yeah, dance yeah. but there's stuff that's just like i had no idea this occurred in this film totally. so it was almost like watching it anew oh, with the lovely. comfort 
of no spoilers. Exactly. Because I already yeah. knew what happened, which is... I'm pretty sure he goes back to the future. I'm pretty sure uh, he goes back to the past and then back to the, to the future. future. Totally. Yeah, I same. I'd seen this a few times in my youth. And I saw this again recently, um, only, only like a year and a half ago. So more recently. So I'd remembered a lot of it from there. And seeing it then, I was like, oh, yeah, this still holds up. For sure. It's so good. It's so funny. Uh, and, and yeah, you're just really in it. I mean, that whole ending, the whole like, oh no, Doc climbing around this clock tower and the cables dropped on his pants and it's now it's tearing his, the leg out of his pants and you're and like, just, just giving me oh, eyes, just biting eyes. your nails. Like, ah, uh. oh yeah. All of Christopher Lloyd's Acting facial reactions. Those eyes, I mean, a thousand yard stare that <laughs> so those good. eyes are incredible. Uh, he looks a bit like a Muppet with those eyes. He looks a bit oh, like a yes. Sam Eagle Muppet. Meets. Um, he's just frozen like. Meets Dr. Teeth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Yeah, Teeth, yeah. that's good, yeah. Because Dr. Teeth is also someone that, uh, you know, he, he LSD'd away a lot of the 60s uh, the way that Doc, Doc must have. For sure. Uh, <laughs> for science, for, you know. For, for science. Uh, yeah, so Back to the Future, top grossing release of 1985. Wow. This movie made so, 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 so much money. But uh, 40 different studios rejected the script. You just got to keep persevering, baby. I know. Now, what I knew, I knew that Disney rejected it because they were worried about the quasi-incestuous well, storyline yeah, of a mother fair. falling for her son, albeit through the wacky time travel shenanigans. But this was the time of, like, the big movies for, like, that starred teenagers were, like, Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Animal House and Porky's. So most of the studios thought they wanted it to be a raunchy teen comedy. They were like, this is too clean. Mm. They wanted, which I'm like, what? All I can picture is they're like, oh, this is great. A horny teenager gets a time machine. Don't let me guess. Let me guess. He goes back in time and, uh, you know, he's looking at Cleopatra's knockers. And they're like, that's not. Like, no, that's not what Oh, we're I'm sorry. He here. goes to the future. He's looking at some alien broads' knockers. Like, I'm sure there's a movie in there somewhere, but it's not okay, this one. Okay. Well, whose knockers is this kid looking at? Unfortunately, his mother's. Oh, okay. We can work with that. We can actually, we have a very small, very, very small area of our. Uh... We'll do direct to VHS. Oh, direct. We'll do direct to like Skinamax. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but uh, which I thought was uh, fascinating that uh, it was either that just interesting. I hadn't too, thought about it being kind of in between before. A little too iffy or just not iffy enough. And clearly, they, I, I can't imagine those studios were like, eh, what if this went even further with the mom? I'm sure that they were just like, what if there were just more? Yeah, just yeah, more. Yeah, more shenanigans. More shenanigans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but let's get into it. Spoilers ahead. If you have not seen Back to the Future for some crazy reason, hey, watch it. It's so good. Uh, and oh, I think... Unfortunately, now that as we're listening to this, uh, listener, I think they just pulled it off Netflix. So I don't know if it'll pop up in one of the other streaming services. I hate it. I hate it. I know. But also, you could be listening to this a year from now. This, now, maybe this is it's true. back on something. It could be. It could be back on something. It could be somewhere. It's floating around. Check it out. Regardless, uh, find a way. Watch it because it's so good. Um, but if you've not seen it or haven't seen it in a while, here's a briefish synopsis. In 1985, Marty McFly is a typical teenager living in Hill Valley, California. At home, Marty's cowardly father, George, is bullied by his supervisor, Biff Tannen. His mother, Lorraine, is a depressed alcoholic, and his older siblings are struggling in early adulthood. At school, Marty is criticized for repeated tardiness and fails an audition for the Battle of the Bands. Uh, he confides in his girlfriend, Jennifer Pock. Let's yeah. take a moment. That panel. <laughs> I like music. The like most the stone Battle face. of the Bands. It's not like Battle of the Symphonies. I think we've had enough. Too loud. It's just like, who, like, look at these 
there's other like hair bands that are waiting to go on stage for their turn to also be too loud. Turn down the amp. I was just con- confused. But was it run through the high school? This yes. battle the bands? Well, you know, it's a high school. It's no, high school I, teachers. I these get buddy it, daddies. They it, don't know what's hip. You look there was that the, one guy. There's like three adults and then there's like one younger guy that also looked like one he had square a team. Stick up his but butt. like you look at, at the line of the people in the gym who are waiting to go up. They look like they are also going to play loud music. Well, you're judging a book by its cover. Even though they had long hair and, you know, they were rocking that punk look, really they were coming out and they were like, and now this is some Philip Glass. It had to be. <laughs> That's right. There you go. <laughs> Could you imagine? They're just like, one, two, three, blue moon. <laughs> <laughs> they really would be perfect for the band at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the pinheads. I mean, it's such a great, like, yeah. dumb name for. For your band, for high school, for a bunch of high school boys, uh, high school kids. Uh, yeah, so he confides in his girlfriend, Jennifer Parker, about his fears of becoming like his parents. Hold despite on. his ambitions. Jennifer yeah. Parker. Great hair. Beautiful hair. Go ahead. Incredible hair. Oh, that was all. That Great. was all. <laughs> uh, so that night, Marty meets his eccentric scientist friend, Emmett Doc Brown, in the Twin Pines Mall parking lot. Yes. Now, we we hear him before we see him in the first scene at Doc Brown's house. And the whole thing with the clocks at the beginning, I was like, what? Am I watching? Like, obviously, like, clocks, Is this the beginning to travel. Pee-wee's big adventure? It because was... he's got a very similar, like, the Rube Goldberg-ish, like, making breakfast machine. For sure. Well, that made me think Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, sure. You sure, know. Sure, sure. Uh, um, because it was the whole Caractacus Pots, toast gets burnt. You tried your Wacky inventor Rube Goldberg shenanigans. Yeah, I always am here for the, it. The, uh, like, all the Foley. Mm-hmm. And the sound mixing sounded like the end of Sleuth when all of the like oh, little the contraptions, little, yeah. all the wind up toys are uh, like going jolly, off. Jolly Jack. Yeah, Jolly thing. Jack, Jar the Sailor. Mm-hmm, but everything mm-hmm. is like, yeah, you everything. know, all the noises. <laughs> and I was like, what does this remind me of? Oh, right. The denouement of Sleuth. This is about to turn into a murder mystery. Who shot Doc <laughs> ooh, Brown? Ooh. Was it Einstein the dog? Well. Come Who's to say? Not, to not say, a dog. This is what you get for putting me in that car. You didn't know that I was going to come back safe. It's true. Woof, woof. Woof. Bang bang. Woof woof. <laughs> uh, Doc unveils a time machine built from a modified DeLorean. Because, uh, you know, if you're going to build a time machine, you want to build it with style or whatever his line is. Yes. And what's funny is it was many, many years before I realized a DeLorean was not a car invented for, for Back to the Future. Film, right. And I doubt I'm the only one who. Oh, no. Uh, Especially, you know, people of our, of millennials. Of, yeah. of course, we weren't seeing, you know, the ni- the ni- by the 90s, the DeLorean was no more. Right. Which you'd think it. That this film would have made it so much more popular. You would think. It's it's like the only thing it made me think of was like a Lamborghini that like opens from the sure, side, you know? Sure, 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 and I was sure. like, was it supposed to be that fancy? Like, I just don't know. Or was it just supposed to look weird in space age? I have not done my research on this aspect. Well, that's why they picked it for this film is because they loved it because it looked like wings and that helps with like oh, the yeah, UFO. Sure. Originally, it was supposed to be like a, something like a refrigerator or something. It was like not a car at all, which is like a car is so much better. Also, it just helps your plot a yeah. lot. Like originally, I, I don't remember this. This is from a little while back, so I'm kind of going off the top of my head. But he, it was like more of like a refrigerator, and they had to like go to like a nuclear power plant to like re to get the juice to send me back to the future. Oh boy! Opposed to all this great business with the clock tower, with a time traveling car is what you want. You want it to be a vehicle. Save the clock tower! Save the clock Save tower! Save the clock tower! That shake, shake, woman shake, shake, shake. is incredible. I when she came in, just, Mar- like yeah. clearly they're about to smoochy Marty smooch. And, Marty and Jen, not Marty and Doc. Marty true. and Jen are about to go smoochy uh, smoochy. And and she just comes in and shakes a can of coins in their face. In bet- <laughs> just character actor. <laughs> 
just the zenith. She just walked off a community theater production of Music Man and just walked over. A hundred percent she was Eulalie McKechnie Shin. And she's like, ooh, now I've got my big my big uh, sequence in this man, I can I, Man, can I ever count on you to just pull that name out of the hat? <laughs> oh, Eulalie McKechnie Shin is well known in the musical theater canon. That's not even an obscure reference. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, uh, Doc unveils the time machine powered by plutonium he swindled from Libyan terrorists. While showing Marty the controls, Doc inputs a destination time of November 5th, 1955, the day he first conceived his time travel invention. The flux capacitor! The flux capacitor. Uh, flux capacitor is, uh, flexing. Uh, apparently also the original test audience didn't know that the movie was a comedy. The atmosphere in the cinema got real tense during the scene where they put Einstein the dog in the car oh. and sent him off because they ca- they were expecting that something gruesome had happened to the dog. <gasps> I mean, this is pre-Jeff Goldblum the fly, uh, but imagining like if that had come just before, even more so that you're like, oh God, oh God, what's happening to this dog? Is this dog going to get fused yeah, this with this car? Is it going to be like Cronenberg. a dog car? Exactly. Oh my God. The David Cronenberg Back to the Future? <laughs> yikes. Yikes, 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 yikes. Um, whereas the Robert Zemeckis, the fly, is just a fun family-friendly adventure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and that it would be, you know, it can't be the fly, but it would be Jeff Goldblum, like, whatever. He, he'd switch his place. He'd switch places. It'd be like a brain swap, swap a Rooney. So he would just either switch places with the fly or probably switch places with a dog. Mm. Then that's your movie. Then Jeff Goldblum now with his brain and Einstein the dog. What a hoot. I'm laughing. (laughs) It looks like it. (laughs) Uh, The terrorists arrive unexpectedly, opening fire and killing Doc. Marty flees in the DeLorean, inadvertently activating time travel when he reaches 88 miles per hour. Arriving on November 5th, 1955, Marty encounters his teenage father and discovers that Biff has been bullying him since high school. George falls from a tree while spying on the teenage Lorraine, and Marty saves him from an oncoming car, but is struck and knocked unconscious. Okay, so what a great, like, um, setup and payoff of, it's oh. like, well, you know, if, if like, telling the story of how your father and I met, and then finding out it's because he was He's fully a peeping, a peeping Tom. Tom, and we know that that escalates into... Some very bad murder. Things. We got a young Norman Bates with Crispin Glover. We've, not a terrible casting for Norman Bates. We've got a young Golden State Killer on our hands. Ooh, you know, yikes. actually, Crispin Glover would be a great Norman Bates. Now that you say that, I mean, he's, he's a little too obviously. That's that's for sure. Creepy is but, the thing. You know, um, like even in this, it's like it's just that hair. That hair is there. When that hair flops the wrong way, that's a that's when a it's murderer. Flopping hair. the right way, it's like what a cute guy. And then sometimes you're like, that's. What's you need to do something about that it's, hair? It's distressing that hair. <laughs> um, and this, I mean, you also get this great line. This father, who is only in the movie oh, very briefly, but what Lorraine's father, what, I, his I, presence reverberates. Another one of these damn kids jumped in front of my car. <laughs> it just like that's such a great line and such a great delivery. It tells us everything we need to know about everything. this man. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Marty wakes to find himself tended to by Lorraine, who becomes infatuated with him. Which is that great moment of him being like, oh, this terrible dream that I was like in the past. Like, oh, don't worry. Don't worry. You're back in good old. You're here back in good old 1955. Calvin. Oh, Calvin Klein in his purple underwear. And his purple underwear. It's, it's written all over your underwear. Man, she is hilariously horny in this film. Yes. Uh, <laughs> also great after we've just heard her like berating. Oh, exactly. I don't yeah. like girls calling boys. Never in my day would I have called a boy. Uh, Marty tracks down the younger Doc in 1955, convincing him he is from the future. Doc explains the only power source capable of generating the required electricity for time travel is a lightning bolt. And Marty shows Doc the fundraising flyer from 
1985 that documents an upcoming lightning strike. Again, we gotta say kudos to that character actress without whom he wouldn't be able to go back to the future. She's really the thing that holds this whole plot together. It's so well done because he kept it because that's where Jennifer wrote her number and like, I love love you. you. And that's why he's showing Doc because it's like, see, this this, doesn't get any clearer than that. Like, she loves me. It's like, I gotta get, I got a girl waiting for me. Um, And then realizing, yeah, so uh, striking the town's courthouse, allowing Doc to devise a plan to harness its energy. Marty's siblings begin to fade from a photo he's carrying with him, and he and Doc realize that Marty's actions are altering the future and jeopardizing their chances to exist. Lorraine was supposed to meet George instead of Marty after getting hit by the car. Early attempts to get his parents acquainted fail, and Lorraine's infatuation with Marty deepens. Uh, And then Lorraine asks Marty to the school dance, or as Doc says, a rhythmic ceremonial ritual, which is how all dances should be referred to. A rhythmic ceremonial ritual. ceremonial ritual. (sighs) Marty devises a plan to feign inappropriate advances on Lorraine, allowing George to intervene and, quote, rescue her. The plan goes awry. When, Wait, with yeah. one of the best mm-hmm. lines in the whole film, when when George is like, and then you say your line, George, get your damn hands <laughs> off, off her. of her. And then like leaning back, like, what is it? Do you, do, you, do think you really I... think that I need to swear? Just it's like such an so actor funny. pushing back against notes. <laughs> I loved it. But it's also the way he like leans back, looks contemplatively up into the middle distance. It's hilarious. It's fantastic what a weirdo i love it oh it's so he's so weird in this film it's a beautiful way get me a milk chocolate (laughs) uh the plan goes awry when biff interrupts pulling marty from the car and he is locked away in the trunk of the performing band's car while biff forces himself onto lorraine george arrives expecting to find marty and biff bullies him into submission after biff hurts lorraine george knocks him unconscious and escorts a grateful lorraine to the dance the band frees marty from their car but the lead guitarist is injured in the process. Marty takes his place and performs uh, while someone else clearly is singing oh for him, which is gosh. hilariously so. Like he's shredding on that guitar. But oh, yeah. Like, we couldn't have found a vocalist that yeah. sounded <laughs> a little bit more like vaguely Michael like Michael J. Fox. <laughs> I love it, though. I love it. Uh, Marty takes his place and performs while George and Lorraine share their first kiss. With his future no longer in jeopardy, Marty heads to the courthouse to meet Doc. Before the dance, Marty had concealed a handwritten note in Doc's coat warning him about his future death. And as the storm arrives, Doc discovers the note and destroys it, refusing to know too much about his own destiny. Marty recalibrates the DeLorean to return to the future ten minutes earlier in time in order to warn Doc about the terrorists. The lightning strikes, sending Marty back to 1985 after so much tension, so much of, like, so everything dismounting. The car stops much. working. The, ca- the cable gets yanked from the clock. Then it gets stuck on a tree branch the other way. It's so perfectly constructed. Doc is doing a full Harold Lloyd Doc hanging off the Harold clock Lloyd. tower. Yeah, well, he's got that great clock in the beginning. He has of, like, the Harold, the Harold Lloyd, Lloyd uh, really little nice, long clock, which is nice. a nice Harold Lloyd, by the way, listener, if you've never seen a Harold Lloyd film, he was the other with with Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin, the yeah, other great. He's probably the third. Who was definitely the third. Yeah. And so funny. Like watch Safety Last, which is what that's oh, from, incredible. or The Freshman. Um, there's so many good Harold Lloyd films. What a brilliant physical comedian. So good. Uh, so the Marty gets back in 1985. The DeLorean breaks down, however, forcing Marty to run on foot back to the mall parking lot. It's like you could have gone back an hour. You why ten minutes? You you really know, shot yourself really in the foot. You dumb dumb. Didn't think it through. Well, he was under duress. I'll give him that. We're oh, not always thinking sure. clearly. Ah, sure. Uh, but he arrives just in time to see Doc getting killed. And while Marty grieves at his side, Doc sits up, revealing he wore a bulletproof vest after piecing Marty's note back together. I that great, like, well, I figured. 
What, what the, the hell? hell? <laughs> that is the one line I definitely remember uh, 100%. <laughs> also, I mean, Marty didn't say anything about where he was shot, you this know? This is true. You really took a gamble on, like, I'll wear this bulletproof vest, and no then you just get helmet, shot eight though. times in the face, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, no bulletproof face mask. <laughs> no, I didn't wear one of those. <laughs> well, he lucked out. Uh, Doc takes Marty home and departs to the future in the DeLorean. Marty wakes the next morning to discover his father is now a successful, confident author. His mother is fit and happy. His siblings have successful careers. And Biff is in George's employ, which, you know, maybe maybe don't bother hiring the guy that tried to rape. Maybe not. Your wife. You know? Like, I mean, he is hilarious. He plays he's that last so scene funny. so funny where he's just so like, oh, yeah. Oh, thanks. Oh, thanks, oh, thanks <laughs> Mr. McFly. Oh, hi, Marty. His, like, hi, Marty with his wave to him is one of the funniest things I've seen. He's so good at this. Thomas F. Oh, Wilson as Bev. wonderful. Um, he's so good. And as Marty reunites with Jennifer, Doc suddenly reappears in the DeLorean, insisting they return with him to the future to save their children from terrible fates. And we get that great. You know where we're going. We don't need roads. Mm-hmm. Uh, that car just flies away. It's great. On compost, so no less. On compost. Just a couple banana peels. Way ahead of his time. And a little, I love that he like pours like a little half empty soda can or whatever, and he pours the soda, and then he just puts the whole can <laughs> in. It's so like, great. what? <laughs> Could it's just dump the whole thing in, guy. It's such a funny touch. Uh, it's so good. I love it. It's love also, it. yeah, it's just funny to think about like, you know, people talk about this a lot, like what people thought the future was going to look like from the mid-century. You know, mm. it, so much of it was about travel and about like yeah hoverboards and all this right. and and missed that it was going to be technology i mean like how do you know but everyone that's what the vision of the future was was yeah flying cars exactly you get some where it's like the video screens like for all, sure all that yeah. kind of uh but like uh but just thinking about like oh yeah like compost and compost power and solar power it's like yeah those are actually like things that we uh we do nowadays you know absolutely yeah i, I th- that Back to the Future 2 gets a few things wrong, though, besides that, in oh, terms of their vision of the future. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and over-dependence on 3D, though, where they have, like, Jaws, like, 16 and, like, with a 3D shark. And I'm like, yeah, we do definitely have too much stupid, pointless 3D. So points yeah. on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the casting directors of Back to the Future were Jane Feinberg, Mike Fenton, and Judy Taylor. Together, Feinberg and Fenton have cast such films as Chinatown, The Godfather Part Two, and previous episode One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Fenton has also cast previous episode Toy Story. Taylor started her career casting the 70s Amityville Horror and will go on to cast such films as The Goonies, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and Sister Act. So many bangers. Hits, so many great hits, hits, hits on, hits on, hits. On hits. hits. Uh, So let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all a little subjective. And as always, I have looked up all the actors in advance, and Amy Jo is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. Yay! So let's kick it off with Marty McFly. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Michael J. Fox, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? He's wonderful. He's great. Iconic. Iconic. Um, one of the things that really struck me watching this is when he's dressed up to go to the dance and he's wearing the suit and his hair is slicked back. I was like, ah! I had this weird moment of going, oh, my gosh, like in the 90s and 2000s, when he would be like an actual like grown up yeah. adult person, he would look like this, but also no different. Oh, like, I, know. I was like, oh, wait, this could be future Michael J. Fox. <sighs> it's so funny in, this in Back to the Future, too, because you see like how he's supposed to look in like whatever it is, 25 years, mm-hmm. 30 years. And it like compare like the makeup they slather on him where you opposed to looking at how, how he actually aged. Just like, and that goes with everyone. It's like Patrick sure. Stewart. There's like episodes of like Star Trek The Next Generation where they're like supposed to be, oh, this is what uh, Picard looks like in like 
like 40 years. And then you look at what Patrick Stewart actually looks like. It's like Patrick Stewart's skincare routine is a lot better than Picard's. It's like, oh man, you really age so much better in real life compared to like this wax figurine that uh, people thought people grow into. We'll see how Russell Crowe does. He's had a harder living (laughs) kind of uh, vibe going for him. So maybe he will fully... Give us a beautiful mind realization. We'll say. Oh, I don't remember him. Like, but did he have like old age makeup? And oh yeah, beautiful mind? Like, I think they I've won. Only seen it the one I time. think they won best makeup, and I, I'm watching it. Actually, I, wa- I definitely I saw all the Oscar films that. Well, all the best picture that nominees year. that yeah. year. So I, I I but I thought I saw it before the Oscars. But regardless, I remember thinking like, oh really, best makeup, and then you get to the end, you're like, oh, uh, okay, because okay. it was a really yeah. convincing job on him and Jennifer Connelly. I say, I gotcha, I gotcha. Cool. Uh, great. Did you have a... Oh, yeah, I had yeah. a couple of thoughts. Um, not really not many. Um, so one of the things that I've... Like, basically, you want someone... He was like 23, 24 when he mm-hmm. shot this. So you want someone who's, like, young, and he needs to have, like, a lot of, like, confident energy without being, like, a total jerk, you know? Um, so someone who is the same age uh, in, like... Well, he's the same age as Michael J. Fox is Ralph Macchio. And I was like, he'd uh-huh. be great, but they would have to relocate it to Long Island. <laughs> like, there is no way Ralph Macchio is in California unless it's the Karate Kid and he's just and moved. And he's moved. Well, there you go. He could have just moved there. I, know, I then, mean, that doesn't really make sense no. in terms of then going back like, to the past. Oh, yeah. but can you imagine this film? Oh, but on Long Island. Long yes. Island? I really, Ooh, it's very uh, vivid. Uh, yeah. The accents are yeah. strong. The choices are bold. The hair this would is, be a lot. This is actually what would happen if they made it today. They'd, ha- they'd set it, you set it in Long Island. so Or like you said it like in New York. So you're mm-hmm. going back to like 80s <gasps> New York, oh, like Long Island. Yes. That's, I think, what I want to oh, say. Yeah. 100%. I mean, you're still getting a lot if you're going back to like the 80s in L.A., for sure, but, but they're not in LA. You they know? Sure, oh yeah, I bet in California or like whatever, yeah. whatever. But yeah, so that that was my like contemporary of Michael J. Fox kind of choice. Yeah, love it because he certainly has like oh yeah swagger and yet like those sensitive eyes. You could see him being a safe choice he's, for he's, a young girl to fall in love. Oh yeah, with, he's got know? that he's got that little dog energy. Exactly, he's like a tiny tiny guy, but he's got like he's got a lot of pep. Got a lot, oh, of, a lot of pep, a lot, a lot of moxie. Of, hey hey. He's going to go out there and get things done, kid. He's going to go pick on a guy three times his size sure to get that is. great shot behind Biff's shoulder as, like, Biff, oh, like, keeps standing eyeballs. and standing and standing until it's, like, he covers Michael J. Fox's entire face. <laughs> and you see his little tiny eyes, like, peek, like, I read over the shoulder. I great so funny. quote today from Michael J. Fox saying, like, when you're a short actor, you stand on apple boxes and crates. When you're a short star, other people walk in ditches. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh that's great. That's good. <laughs> oh, I love that. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Yep. Um, my more contemporary to today choice, although this would still be probably like, I don't know, circa 2008. Very different. Yeah. But if I'm like, what's like a contemporary take on this movie? I'm like, I want like young Donald Glover. I want someone who's like got oh, yeah. so much like 100%. charisma and style, oh. funny, mm. mm-hmm. really good actor. Yeah. So like th- that was my like closer to now choice. Abs- thinking of him in those first few seasons of Community. Yes. Where it's like he's supposed to be like he was like a high school football star, but now mm. he's kind of getting them going into college and he's still like doing football. But he's definitely like, oh, well, now even in community college, you're still not the star of high school. You're mm-hmm. like the freshman going into college. But it's still it's Donald Glover. So really, it's like they kind of abandon that and you're just letting him be just like beautifully comic 
ridiculous yes. Donald Glover. Love that. Yeah. And he's so, I mean, one of the things he plays so well is his intensity, which works so well as Marty gets more and more like freaked out by, I don't know, yeah. his existence disappearing, but also just like the situation getting more and more like the, the flop sweat in the car <laughs> scene with the mom <laughs> is so good. You know, I just oh, think absolutely. he would be very, it'd be very different than Michael J. Fox, but I think really oh, funny. Oh, sure. Yeah. I love it. So yeah, those are my only, those yeah. are my only thoughts. That's great. Yeah. But thinking back then, then, like around that time in 1985, if you can't get Michael J. Fox, I could see an Emilio Estevez version of this. I can I see could that. See that a little around Breakfast Club sure, era, sure. Uh, and or Matthew Broderick around Ferris Bueller. Oh, that Ferris makes Bueller that's era. actually uh, that the feels closest. Like, yeah, like I could honestly see you know Switcheroonie, see Michael J. Fox as a Ferris Bueller type, and Matthew 100%. Broderick as your Marty McFly. I think that could work. That would absolutely yeah. Work and if this fine. was, I mean, he's already now. If you want someone who's like in their early 20s, he's aging out, but like. That, give me that John Boyega if this is made like closer to today. Oh, yeah. Also, oh, someone that like I see him like picking fights with guys like twice his for sure height and being like, guy, what are you doing? I really have no idea how tall he is because I'm mainly uh my main thing I've watched with him is just his, the, his what's in the what's box, in the box video like with the Gwendolyn Christie on repeat. Ooh, John Boyega as Marty McFly and as Biff Gwendolyn Christie. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? <laughs> You too can look like a fool with a marble. Just, just Brianna Tarth calling people a butthead. I'm here for it. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, this got Michael J. Fox a Golden Globe nomination wow. for best well, he's actor in a film. In he was, it. And he was on. I forget if he'd, he'd already been nominated for Family Ties because mm -hmm. that's what made him a star. Sure. Uh, so Michael J. Fox said that Marty's being characterized as riding skateboards, chasing girls, and his interest in playing music with hopes of becoming a rock star was the exact same way he was during his own high school days. Uh, which you kind of, I feel like you get. Like it feels like so. It just lives, it lives on him so, so easily. Like a comfortable puffy vest mistaken for a life preserver. It's yes, very This loser easy thinks he's going to drown. <laughs> uh, so he, apparently Michael J. Fox had always been the first choice for Marty, but was unavailable due to scheduling conflicts with family ties, especially since his co-star, Meredith Baxter, was pregnant at the time. So Fox was carrying a lot more of the show as usual. So they were like, mm. well, we, you definitely can't get away now because we, we need whatever you, you going to do. Exactly. On set a lot more. Yeah. Uh, so Robert Zemeckis and writer-producer Bob Gale then cast Eric Stoltz as Marty based on his performance in the movie Mask in 1985. It's mm. like the Rocky Dennis story with Cher where he's got like – I know this name, but I honestly – I know nothing's you, coming to Well, mind. I know you know him from two things. You – if you remember him from Pulp Fiction, he is like the – he's – John Travolta's drug dealer. So he's like the one with the long red hair in the bathrobe and the one that like you're br he brings Uma Thurman to his place. Where I he's gotta like, say, there were a yeah, lot of sure, scenes sure, sure. in Pulp Fiction where I had my hands oh, quivering in front of my eyes. So. Um, he's he's also an anaconda. He's oh. J-Lo's love interest who gets in a Okay. And like a wasp stings him in the neck and he goes asleep for the rest of the movie until the very end. Believe it or not, I now know who you're talking about. He's re he's a redhead. I don't actor, have like a really a... vivid yeah. image, but I'm yeah, like, yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. guy. Any anyway, um, wow. I know. It's like, well, you know, he was cast and then got fired from this film. So that kind of does put a big damper on yeah. your career. So for it's like sure. I mainly know him from those three things. Mask. Pulp Fiction and Do you know why Anaconda. he got fired? Are you about to tell me that? I sure am. Okay. So after six weeks of filming, oh geez. Zemeckis and Gale felt that Stoltz simply just wasn't right for the part. He's just not. And as he I apparently think I said. I have heard about this. Go on. Apparently as Stoltz said, I think Stoltz was telling um, like either the, his, the costumer or like the makeup person. He's like, I don't know why they cast me. Like I'm not a comedian. Like he's just, 
who's like especially at the time very serious i'm a method actor mm, um not gonna go well for like no, a light comedy no, apparently like to the point like everyone had to call him marty mcfly he would no. only answer to that he was like very like oh, no. i'm in care like that kind of like level of in character which like you're not daniel day lewis guy this isn't my left foot this is back to the future like you don't have to be like okay i'm literally going back in time <laughs> it's like that's one thing Just when it's like, like i'm method thing. in that like i'm actually gonna learn to play guitar to that's, an extreme level. That's one thing. I'm learning to skateboard, and I'm, like, so enmeshed in this character's world, so I'm doing all these things. If you're doing my left foot and you want shots of you, like, painting with your feet and stuff, like, you got to figure out how to do that. Right. There's a lot of – but this is not that. <laughs> this ain't that. So when Christopher Lloyd was told that Stoltz was to be replaced, he asked, like, who's Eric? And <laughs> they, they had to explain to him, and he's like, oh, I really thought his name was Marty. So he was just like, hello there, I'm Chris. And he's like – Marty. I was like, oh, wow, what a coincidence. They named this, you know, cast a kid with the same name as the, oh, the character. My uh, no, he was just thought his name was Marty. Who's Eric? <laughs> Who's Eric? Can you imagine? <laughs> oh. oh, I know. So uh, six weeks into filming. So by that stage. That's so much money. I know. By that stage, Meredith Baxter was back on Family Ties. So they agreed to let Fox go off to make the film. And he agreed to join without even reading the script. Apparently, they, his his uh, agent hadn't even showed it to him because it was like, there's no you way can't you, we can't. So he didn't even show it. But then there, for whatever reason, he was like, and I don't know if it was just because Robert Zemeckis, he had had um, Romancing the Stone. Oh, yeah. Michael that Douglas was a huge was, hit. It, it sure was. But you also have like Steven Spielberg producing. So I don't know what to what mm -hmm. point to like to not even read the script to be like, OK, I'm going to be filming Family Ties every day mm -hmm. and then shooting Back to the Future every night. Well, it might also be like. It's a lead in a feature, which is very different you know than being very a TV true. star. This is very, very true. But I, I feel like you still want to read the script to be yeah, like, think. wait, what is this? My mom falls for me? What is this film? Hey. There's so many ways this film could go so, so poorly. poorly. Oh, man, it, this really stinks. The transition could not take place immediately. So filming had to continue with Stoltz in the lead role, unaware that he was to be replaced. So everyone kind of started to cotton on because they're like, we're shooting this scene between Marty and Doc, but we're only doing coverage on Doc. Oh, no. We're shooting like these scenes, but we're like, we're not getting any close ups on him. Yeah. My eyes, they are wide. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this blew my mind. So on January 10th, 1985. Stoltz turned up for filming as scheduled, and Zemeckis finally informed him he would no longer be involved in the film, oh. and Spielberg was nearby in case he was needed. Zemeckis described it as the hardest meeting I've ever had in my life, and it was all my fault. I broke Stoltz's heart. Uh, then they had to tell everyone else. So uh, Leah Thompson, uh, right. Lorraine, she had was on a break from filming, so she had left to go to her then-boyfriend, Dennis Quaid, so she was over um, with him. Uh, I forget where she left the country. So I think she was maybe in London. And then she got all these messages that was like, you need to get back. So she thought she was getting fired. Oh. Uh, I know. And then the rest of the crew was informed that much of Back to the Future would need to be reshot. Uh, but the cinematographer, Dean Cundy, said that most of the crew saw Stoltz's removal as good news. Uh, and Yeah, I mean, like, it's yeah. a lot more work, but ultimately you want the film to succeed. Yeah. So filming fell behind schedule with 34 days of filming lost and an additional cost of $3.5 to $4 million. In 1984. Yeah. Which included Stoltz being paid his salary well, in yeah. full. Which, you have yeah, to buy out that contract. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was January 10th was Stoltz being told, you're, 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 you're done. And January 15th, Michael J. Fox's first day on set. And he had to, yeah, he was filming both back to back. He would do family ties between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m., travel to the Back to the Future filming location, and get home sometime around like 2.30, 3 a.m., uh, and then on weekends, 
the family ties was filmed in front of a live audience which meant that he wouldn't finish he would fin- get home at like 7 a.m so apparently sometimes the teamster dropping fox at home had to k- literally carry the actor to bed like he yeah. would just be asleep and this continued until april <gasps> january 15th until april good thing he was so young that's yeah. just not a thing that it's a body a even 10 it's years not a thing older can no do. no 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 that was crazy to me wow. but uh Let's get into the actors who were actually oh, up for Marty let's. McFly. Right off the bat, Crispin Glover auditioned. Oh, this I thought was very interesting watching this. It was very much like um, doing Fun Home, where playing Big Allison, you can be the same age as the actors playing your parents because you were telling oh, yeah. a story from like much later. You're technically Allison's supposed to be the same age as a guy playing her dad. So, like, I believe um, Lorraine. Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson. I believe Leah Thompson and Michael J. Fox are the same age. I'm that not sure sense. how Kristen, Crispin Glover is, but you see him on screen. And he's pretty so close. Young, yeah. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why they got to slap all that makeup on him for the 1985 days. For sure. Yeah, I think he's just so good as George McFly. I, I, it's so, so hard good. to picture him as yes. Marty. And I've seen him in so many other things of like, he's just a weird, weird guy, that Crispin Glover. Uh, I've liked him in many things, but uh, yeah, it's, come on. Uh, So originally cast after Michael J., I guess after Michael J. Fox, but before Eric Stoltz, was C. Thomas Howell, uh, who some people know he's in Red Dawn. He was Pony Boy in the Outsiders movie. Oh, yeah. Hey, Ralph Macchio. Big thing with your Ralph Macchio. Yeah. Um, so he and was, Emilio Estevez and Emilio Estevez. I mean, everyone was in that movie. You got your Swayze, you got your Tom Cruise, you Rob got, Lowe. You got all the the young hot brat packs. So hot, so hot, so young, so uh, hot, so bratty. <laughs> so bratty. <laughs> Why does that make them so hot? <laughs> uh, so he was originally cast and was re rehearsed with Crispin Glover and Leah Thompson. But apparently, when Mask became a hit, he was let go and replaced with Eric Stoltz. But they let him go because another thing he did was a hit. Because Eric Stoltz. Was oh, like hot sorry. off mask. I don't know who's yes. in what. Right. I see now. I thought you were saying this guy was in a movie that was a hit. So they're like, you got to get out of no. this picture. Okay, so I think this was the order. Michael J. Fox, they wanted, can't do it with family ties. So they're like, okay, well, maybe we'll, we'll get C. Thomas Howell. I don't know if they just hadn't signed a contract or if it was and early enough. like, hey, this we're doing other guy's hot. Let's but he wasn't him. like, like he's coming off of, I think at that time, it was The Outsiders and Red Dawn were his biggest mm-hmm. credits. And he's probably like fourth build in Red Dawn. He's like mm-hmm. not Swayze. He's not Charlie Sheen. And he's not jennifer gray so you like somewhere down the bill mm-hmm. um but this just didn't happen for c thomas howell he's always been around but like he also instead in he didn't have anything else in 1985 but in 1986 he did this movie called soul man which was about a i can already tell from your face well like, i'm just afraid based on how slowly you're you, rolling it oh out. you could even guess it's he puts on blackface to pretend <gasps> to be a black man no. to get scholarships to college no yeah. Yeah. no yeah, yeah. Somehow they wrangled James Earl Jones into that film as well, <gasps> who I hope got a hefty payday. Yeah, I, I saw like five minutes because it was on like Comedy Central, like when I was a kid, and I was like, "This looks like the worst thing I've ever seen." And when I say blackface, I mean like he's trying to pass. I don't mean legit like old like Al Jolson style blackface, but still he is pretending Black's, to oh be. He's putting on blackface and pretending to be a black gentleman. Uh, it sure is. And apparently in 1986, it was uh, appalling then because that movie was ravaged by critics and made no money. Good. And C. Thomas's Hell careers went kaputski. Yeah, when you're like, you know what I'll do is this. That's... That's, uh, yeah. that's poor, yeah. poor um, judgment on everyone's part. Yes. Moving on, though, Charlie Sheen was uh-huh, considered uh-huh. coming off a of Red Dawn. I can see that. It's definitely... 84. But mm-hmm. him or Estevez, it has yeah. a bit more... Uh, 
snap to it. Yeah, I like, like Michael J. Yeah. Fox just feels a, like oh, a little more wholesome version absolutely. of them. Oh, definitely. Oh, fully agree. Fully agree. Yeah, that feels like it kind of goes down the line. You've got Michael J. Fox, then to Emilio, and then to Charlie Sheen. Of It just feels like it's the scale yeah. is sliding a bit. I feel like they're more, they should be playing the Billy Zane part. That's about, I was about to say exactly. Charlie Sheen should be one of Biff's yeah. gang. Yes. Feels like that's where he lives. Yeah. Um, I totally, totally, totally agree. Because uh, then Ferris Bueller and Platoon are both in 86, which mm-hmm. is he, he's got that great scene stealing part in oh, ferris yeah. bueller and the lead of platoon lead a big oliver stone movie so he was fine with that and he then that's what like you know just then right. wall street and onwards and upwards uh but then of course i didn't think about that because then he replaced michael j fox on spin city oh, when michael right. j fox left um for like two seasons or so they're just not actors that i think are that similar enough to where you could do that but like well he's also not he, he didn't like replace the character he just came in as like a very different a charlie okay. sheenish character that makes more sense uh, yeah never yeah, yeah. watched a show so i don't oh, know i watched so much of spin city i loved spin city great alan ruck great richard love kind it. love <laughs> and great michael j fox it's so good and barry boswick oh the barry as the mayor i think he was the mayor of new york <laughs> Mayor Bostwick. The Mayor Bost- Mayor, Mayor Bostwick. Um, so according to Bob Gale, Johnny Depp auditioned for the role of Marty McFly. Mm. And he said, I looked through the notes and I said, geez, I don't even remember that we read Johnny Depp. So whatever he did, it wasn't all that memorable, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not. He's too soft. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think he also, I mean, like, because Nightmare on Elm Street was 84. And then he's also, he's a smaller role in Platoon at 86. Right. Um, and, like, Nightmare on Elm so Street, young he's so Platoon. young. He, like, doesn't, he just, he doesn't know what he's doing yet. He's still figuring out his, yeah. like, acting chops. Sure. Um, like, similar, I think, how Michael J. Fox honed them on Family Ties. Johnny Depp would hone them on 21 Jump Street. And then, mm-hmm. like, came out in the 90s, like, I think as a really great actor. Gangbusters, but absolutely. in the 80s, I don't think Johnny Depp was there yet to lead a film like this. No. 80- not, not. In this comedic style, I no, also yeah, he's also his not. His sense a, of humor I mean, uh, is a much better match for Tim Burton. Obviously, yeah, now Tim Burton's or Captain his, Jack Sparrow. Totally. Like, in his in his later years, you learn how to use what you do into comedic effect. Yeah. But I don't think early on yeah. it would have been a good fit. It's like not great, but if he was someone that I wanted to see in movies today, like him as a Doc Brown. You're well, that's much more where like, he's makeup. living right. now. Exactly. Like, that's what me, I'm saying. Yeah. Give me all the weird yeah. stuff you can. <laughs> Please make me not look like myself. Yes. Um, I don't like what I see audience. when I look at yeah. you. <laughs> John Cusack was considered for Marty McFly. Huh. I, I understand this. I mean, I forgot like how he had. Oh, he was He huge. led not even just in, but led so many films all in the 80s. All those John Hughes movies. Yeah. This was in 85. He had The Shore Thing, which I think was Rob Reiner. And uh, Better Off Dead. We had like all these things like, like One Crazy Summer. Like I just, mm-hmm. I mean, Say Anything is, right, like, was right. a big one. But like so, 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 so many. That was his bread and butter is like this, Playing, you know. Like the high schoolers. Yeah. But, but also just like that kind of like likable down to earth, like boy next door mm-hmm. type. Um, I, I get I it. I see it. I could see it uh i don't want it but i, I could see it. it i can see it i can yeah. see it also being fine like fine yeah. to good fine to good sure yeah a uh, ding 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 is in order ralph macchio nice. turned it nice. down nice because he thought the movie was about quote a kid a car and plutonium pills <laughs> plutonium pills <laughs> maybe that was the original script they were plutonium maybe. pills i don't know that's He's got a amazing gulp, 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 swallow some plutonium pills he's that's like a little uh, dr mario with his plutonium pills uh yeah ralph macho which hey, yeah we've already discussed i think that i, th- I can see it i, I can, can see that absolutely working. see yeah. it but yes it is a different 
it need, it cannot be set in California. There's no. legit no way. Even if yeah. he were to somehow not do that accent, which I've never seen him not do that accent. Right. <laughs> um, his vibe is just so much. It's like John young John Travolta being from anywhere but you know the east coast just feels strange to me you know i guess what well, you got him in greece and uh right all right all high is definitely in but they Cali- all as we discussed yeah, in the episode they all sound that- like they're from brooklyn <laughs> hey it's they, me sonny oh, how did this entire graduating class move here from new york <laughs> uh cory hart who's this canadian pop singer who probably best known for that song like i wear my sunglasses at night so i can so i can see you are shaking your head you do not know sunglasses at night amy joe no ah uh, that's kind of bananas to me i feel like that song i have someone who does not know much music and that's you the song that i know me jeff ronan apparently apparently amy joe jackson what i know um, i know exhaustively but what i don't know i've truly never yes heard. you know you know the names of uh, what's your face in the music man Eulalie McKechnie Shin. Put some respect <laughs> on her name. One Grecian urn. Uh, oh, boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> you technically have seen this guy in a film, Christopher Collett, because he played Paul in Sleepaway Camp. He's the, like, potential love interest to Angela, oh, who gets his head my, cut off my, at the end of the oh film. My. Right. Uh, but he's mainly a voice actor now. 637 episodes of Pokemon as Steven Stone? Question mark. So whoever is i know we have some listeners who yeah. are pokemon fans this one's sure. for you yeah I, how is he that was after i watched a little bit of the first those first seasons yeah. that came to the states and then i was like i'm done with this but uh yeah 637 episodes because wow. that show is still going strong oh yes it is bananas to me uh yeah so he's doing just fine that christopher collett john crier was considered oh, and yet thinking 86 he, i'd rather it, see him as george <laughs> i get that i could see that i mean yeah it's like somewhere in between because thinking of him yeah. as, as Ducky yeah. in Pretty in Pink, which is the next year. That's 86. Mm. And that's like – like him in that made me think like he could – oh, he also could have done like a Ferris Bueller. He's actually – that I feel is the more similar. Yes. Because that energy is Ducky yes. where he's like, well, you're a nerd, but you're like – A cool But you just don't care. You're in- st- like – still like such bravado yes that's um, what i meant by cool nerd, and I guess. both john crier and matthew broderick would then go on to play such nerds for s- the majority of their career yeah. but yeah. john crier is marty mcfly like i could see it i, I could see, see it. it i'm interested i'm interested uh george newburn who is the groom in the father of the bride one and two and played charlie in 69 episodes of scandal which is a show i've never seen but, but people they love it the people that like that scandal George, whoever charlie was he could have been marty fly so i'm so assuming you, you are a god aghast you think about that and you, you think about what you did um <laughs> i was surprised at this ben stiller jeez because his first credit on imdb isn't until the next year with one episode of kate and Allie in 86 and then some movie in 87 called Hot Pursuit, with jo- starring John Cusack. Uh, and he has a small role in Empire of the Sun, the Spielberg ben movie from 87, Stiller. which is like that. It, it, I know. I mean, I can sort of see. He's just like much more. Similar height. Well, yeah. But he's also just much kind of. He, to me, has a much broier energy than um, Michael J. Fox, if that makes sense. Not in like a douchey way, just kind of like, I don't know. He's just a. There, there's something, like, yeah, a bit more, like, dudely about Dude-ly. him. Interesting. I, I definitely, I mean, certainly in some roles, especially when he's, like, really tilting into, like, your dodgeball, your heavyweights of your the comedic persona. Yeah. Just think of him in, like, even stuff like whatever, Meet the Parents, which is a movie I detest. I cannot stand that cringe comedy for just a, a yeah, single second. But that him, like, 
okay, like I I gotta like try to win my I no, gotta totally. win over my father in law, and this is like okay of of that like having all these obstacles and conflict placed on him of just be, of like I get it, but it's Ben Stiller and Michael J. Fox being up for the same role in 1985 is it's so wild wild to me for sure uh, because I mean he wasn't even. You know, he didn't have a single film credit. He was a fetus in it, Hollywood. It, it was like finding out that Zoe Deschanel was up for Cher and Clueless. Yeah, and it's like that's her, wild. And her first credit wasn't for like three or four years you know, after. It's it like, what? It takes a while for just about everybody except for the people that it doesn't. Well, <laughs> but then, yes, I agree. But it's wild to me that it's when it's like for a lead role, you know? If it yeah. was to find out that, oh, Ben Stiller auditioned to be one of the members of Biff's gang. Yeah. Like he was up for the Billy Zane well, I think role. Maybe they didn't know at some point in casting whether they wanted to use an un known or or Could not and clearly yeah. eventually they were like no i want to go with someone who's got credits which was a, a good Still different move, yeah you know jumping to like a leading a big film yeah. like this compared to a sitcom but uh totally 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 and finally robert downey jr was considered oh that i, I like love that. that i like I that. really like that that's I, that i see him picking those of... fights with the guy too big but like comedic the thing that Michael J. Fox has going for him that I think would also work for John Cryer and uh, Matthew Broderick is they all look, I don't know how else to phrase it other than they look like safer. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's something about their energy and the way they present that feels like like young Lorraine would feel like comfortable having yeah. him in her room. Like he's, he's, the, he's definitely <laughs> not going to actually like hurt right. her in the car. He's the safe kind of dangerous. That yes, because he's a guy yes. that's skateboarding around, and he's like he's picking, edgy, but he's, he's not picking fights, dangerous. but he's not actually. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, which some of these other options, I feel like there's a little more than a note of danger in there. You know what, Ralph Macchio, similar. That's what I was just saying. Like you were saying with like the puppy dog energy. Mm. It's like yeah, there's bravado, but you believe that like. He he would he's only picking he's only picking fights because it's his, what has to happen as opposed to like I don't know something about Robert Downey Jr. especially like a younger Robert Downey Jr. I'm like I think it's a great option but I'm wondering if there's a little more aggressive aggro maybe mm. Ben Stiller's a little more aggro, <laughs> aggro. is what I mean he, he's climbing that aggro crag oh, every that ben day Stiller. baby he's doing oh he he won a large chunk of that aggro crag <laughs> <laughs> displaying it proudly on his nightstand Look I bet at me. I bet uh, but let's move on to Jennifer Parker Amy Joe your thoughts on Claudia Wells and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else I think she's so good in this but she's she barely is anything she's barely in the film it's so funny because we paused it like because we watched like part of it one night and part the next night so he yeah. paused it like right before he goes like back to the past or, or like right you know it was like, like right after he like yeah. he was just like just got out of that barn but getting we, like, shot at yeah, for being we a martian paused it and he said something about like well and that's the last we'll see her i was like until the end i was like it is because it's been so long since i'd seen it but she seems like such a presence in the first yeah. like you know 20 minutes of the movie that by the end i was like all oh, right her it was just strange um i thought she was great she's i mean she's got great hair as previously stated um but she's also like charming yeah. and like really she's really good um but i don't have any other thoughts because it just right. uh i was like i don't know i don't know anything else about totally. this actress yeah, yeah. You know? no same same well yeah because she doesn't have a ton of credits apparently because the character is at least in the second one i forget if she's in the third as well because i've never seen the third one i forget if i i don't think i mentioned that up top um i've seen the second one a couple times which i think is a lot of fun because i love yeah. a good that kind of thing where you're yeah, doing yeah, the yeah. time travel switch like shenanigans that's those are the kind of time travel shenanigans i like very like prisoner of azkaban where we're like you yes. get the two versions at the same time 
Um, like the very end of the movie when Marty's watching himself. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. I, lo- I love that stuff. Uh, but I don't know. But it, she's replaced by Elizabeth Shue in that second one, at least. Because yeah. she apparently her mom was dying of breast cancer. Oh. So she like had to pull out uh, Claudia Wells. Um, and then just doesn't have like a lot of more credits. So I, I don't really know. Maybe she left the business. You know, yeah. also when someone's that young in like a major oh, movie. Course. it yeah. You know, there's... Yeah. You know, I've I've occasionally done a bigger project where I've been like, man, this is like a good situation. And yet would I want to do this kind of thing all the time, knowing that especially if you'd filmed a bunch of stuff with a different actor, all your scenes are with a different actor. And then you have to she basically shot this movie twice, maybe, you know. Yeah. Well, let's get into that. Ooh. So there were so two other people that were considered Kier Sedgwick, uh, oh. who I think would be great. Sure. I love Kier, love Kier Sedgwick. Uh, Jill Sholin who was this like 80s scream queen she was in like the lead in like the stepfather in this hilariously terrible film cutting class with early uh brad pitt oh wow uh and she's in the 1986 babes in toyland with keanu reeves and drew barrymore oh, which i just i saw i saw it on amazon prime and i was like why was i just thinking about this and i was like oh right because i just saw this girl that stars in this film she was told that she looked too exotic and not all american enough oh. she's german mexican and swedish and I'm just like, like looking at her. It's like, what are you talking about? I. It's just like it's so stupid, like, so dumb. It's so stupid and racist for so many yes, reasons. Yes. But it's also like, if you are, <laughs> if you are starting in the '80s and wanting the '50s to contrast with that, wouldn't it make more sense to have him dating someone who's maybe I don't know, not Absolutely. white? Absolutely. Yes absolutely yeah like the film gets like you get half a point for the fact that you're uh you, you know you, you have a black mayor right and that's like yeah, that, you a get point. a half point in regards to that mm-hmm. uh yeah otherwise not this is a very very white film yeah so white which, aggressively so yeah all the more reason have your 1985 populated with more actors just, of color i also hate like coded language like that like exotic oh, yeah. which it's like oh so, so stupid so uh the way that white people continue to let themselves off the hook for perpetuating yeah. white supremacy and racism yeah, absolutely really cool cool move bro not uh but finally melora hardin aka jan from the office was cast and signed a two-picture contract so she was the one with stoltz oh after no. stoltz oh, no. was replaced the crew was pulled because <gasps> hardin was taller than Michael J. Fox. And the female crew overwhelmingly voted that Marty should not be shorter than his girlfriend, so Hardin was replaced by Wells. Oh, that sucks. Doesn't that stink? As a tall, um, I <laughs> find that so upsetting. I was just waiting for As a tall performer. No, as no, a no. Tall, as, as a tall. As a tall. Uh, there's nothing you can do about that you know and i am i am also someone who is you might say i'm using the word aggressive a lot but i'm like aggressively tall i'm six feet um and it's oh it's very frustrating to sometimes find out that i didn't book things because they couldn't find someone who they felt was the appropriate height to play opposite me and i'm like well so what like there are people who date in a height disparity all the time let's normalize let's normalize it i mean melora harden is just there just hurriedly digging trenches i'll dig my own ditch. i'll dig my own ditches oh my gosh i mean like if i were opposite michael j fox it would look preposterous like there's a balance but it's like oh, that's that sucks yeah it sucks is what it does um but let's move on to biff tannen amy joe your thoughts on thomas f wilson and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else he's wonderful it's ba- i mean everyone is basically playing a dual role but his is the yeah. most stark 
And it's just great. I think he's a delight. I spent the first part of rewatching this movie trying to think, who is it that he reminds me of other than other Buzz than from, Buzz Home, from Alone, Home Alone? Which, let's be I real, mean, that's yeah. that's a chef's <laughs> kiss to that. Um, I was like, who is it that his facial expressions are reminding me Please of? Please tell me. Okay, this is, you probably will be like, what are you talking about? But uh, if you see his face in action, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't look like him, but he moves his face like Max Greenfield, who plays Leo oh. on Veronica Mars. And Schmidt from New Girl and is Schmidt what from most New people Girl. know him from. He, yeah. yeah, like actually, like, they have very similar kind of facial <laughs> structure. Their coloring is so different that like you wouldn't think, but I was like sitting there going sure. like. he's coming in with that bro energy. Yes. I was like, who is this that it looks like to me? I was like, it's someone from Veronica Mars. It's not Logan. It's not Ryan Hansen. Who is it? I was like, oh, it's Leo. It's the one who really overtook all the other men on that show to be the most famous. Yeah. Um, But man. uh, Amazing. I felt such a release when I realized that. But like if you combined him and the gentleman whose name I've forgotten who plays Buzz from Home Alone, if you combined them, Mm. ta-da, there's a very great biff. There's your biff. Uh, yeah, I, I, I see that. I, I think very, his Max Greenfield, I think his career very easily could have gone very differently. Uh, it just, he lucked out with that role. Cause I think yeah. he's so funny and he's so charming, so but he's so funny. easy to just be playing like the just worst sleazy D bag roles. For sure. Gosh, he's, yeah, he's hilarious. So he has that one line early on in his arc on Veronica Mars. He's like, I'm a scoundrel. And he just says it with that and little smile on his face. he gets away with it in a yes. way a lot of actors would not. It's absolutely true. And there's something that I just find, that's, I don't know, that's why I find like all the stuff we talk about on this podcast so interesting. Because it's like, yeah, another actor, they would have to rewrite that line or they would never think to write it. Because it's like, well, he can deliver it. And you're like, right, I like right. you, yeah. guy. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, I'm not necessarily uh, putting him up for this part, but man, sure. did the resemblance yeah. strike me. Also, if this movie had been made, I don't know, 20, 30 years earlier, well, probably more, like George Kennedy, he just looks so much like George he's Kennedy. A, he's a tall me. gentleman. That tall George gentleman Kennedy. who's oh, very sure. imposing. And you're like, ugh, I don't want to get on the wrong side of George oh, Kennedy. No. Just thinking you of know? him on the, the fist end, Paul Newman on the fist end and a bare knuckle fighting with uh, him and Cool Hand Luke. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't want that George yeah. Kennedy coming at me all bare chested. At arms akimbo. I first came uh, to acquaintance with George Kennedy watching Charade, where he has a hook hand. Uh, mm-hmm. And th- that's all you need to make George Kennedy more terrifying is give him a weapon that is permanently affixed to him. Um, but my actual choice, which is a much more contemporary choice, is Jimmy Tatro from American Vandal, American Vandal and season other one. things. Yes. Yes, yes. That is, yes, I was like, oh, yes. yes. I don't think he's, he's necessarily that tall, yeah. but the energy is, energy is perfect. Rare. And energy honestly, right. like, he doesn't have to be a giant. There's nothing in the language. It's just like he it's happens true. to be much taller, so they use that to their advantage. Yeah. Um, but you could easily just do different things with the camera. Yeah. And that's a Especially different... alongside someone like Michael J. Fox. Every So many people are going to look like a giant. It's very The way true. you frame your camera is, you Everything. Know, yeah. You you steal his apple box away from him. You put him yes. in the trench that everyone else was just standing in and you just do a little switcheroonie. So he'll stand on the apple box and Michael J. Fox will go in the trench. And there yeah. you go. Now, there you go. There's your forced perspective. You yeah. shoot it like Lord of the Rings. So now you just make him look like a teeny tiny hobbit yes. next to, uh, you know, E. McKellen as Biff Tannen. <laughs> <laughs> you shall get out of the car. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, same age as Thomas F. Wilson is Clancy Brown. So oh, I was like, I that would that. be incredible. That just like bass voice, would, that's terrifying. Uh, terrifying to me. Well, and him in Shawshank Redemption is basically oh. like the drama version of oh, yeah. Biff. Oh, yeah. Biff is holding you over the roof of a building. Be he like, sure I'm going to drop you. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, and I was like, 
if this was in the early 90s <laughs> because that's who he is mark Wahlberg. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if this was boston mm-hmm. if back back to you know back to the boston future um yes you got yes. that mark Wahlberg. just like yeah why don't you make like a tree and get out of here bro uh i was like I yeah that. you say hi to your mother for me it's like that's yeah that's biff that like you, bo- you make like a tree and get out of here being a genuine thing to say and not him trying to be funny is mm-hmm. such a defining characteristic of Absolutely. this. Absolutely. And such a defining characteristic to me of Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I love how also we have we have with this film certain actors that if we cast them, we have to shift the entire you location. Sh- you to, I mean, Mark Wahlberg. It, it, it's got to be Boston. I agree. It's got to be Boston. What are I we talking? Agree. Also, apparently, make like a tree and get out of here and butthead both improvised by thomas f wilson brilliant yeah he's apparently I love that such a sweetheart he's apparently such a sweet guy in real life mm-hmm. which is unsurprising i feel like yeah. there was similar stuff about clancy brown um yeah in making in well, also, shawshank redemption clancy brown continues to work and work and work and if you're if you're like at that level where you're not like tom cruise where you're not like headlining a movie yeah. where they don't have to cast you to sell the picture but yeah. you're still working a lot you're probably a decent human well i'll say to an extent because i feel not to say well, offhand sure. he's not a decent human that they're not decent humans but people like uh eric roberts or chevy chase like people wow. michael madsen people that will that have been post mickey work people that can be very difficult that they will still make six direct to dvd right. direct to streaming movies a year because they'll work for four days they're a name enough and yeah. people will be like well whatever we'll work with them um so i chevy chase though was a huge star in the 70s less 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 him. yeah yeah but yeah, yeah, yes yeah, yeah, i yeah. i i Obviously, there are people who are just like aided and abetted by right. the system. So, so I'm saying, if I wouldn't be surprised, Clancy Brown could be whatever, not That's the best. True. But I've heard he's a very sweet gentleman. As I heard about Thomas F. Wilson, apparently he almost had his collarbone broken in the scene where Marty and Biff are about to fight in the cafeteria when it was Eric Stoltz. Oh, because Eric Stoltz, no, take after take, despite repeated requests from. Tom Wilson to tone down the aggression would be like was roughing up for real. No, it was like too much. No, this yeah. it's called acting. Yeah, this was you this is like put anti-method. This are these idiots that think that method means that you just go flying off the handle and just like oh great, so I'm just gonna like just fight you for real. I can't stand it. It's yeah. because it is so arrogant and it it puts you at the center of everything rather than to me acting is about connection and it is about like even if it's like a solo show, it's still about like it connecting yeah. to other people. So even if it's a movie with one person, you're still working with everyone else on that set. How dare he? Oh, I know. All right. So it broke his heart, but he was a real idiot about things. Yeah. Apparently, apparently Thomas F. Wilson said that he was going to like, I'll, he's going to return the favor because when they would film the car park scene, um, it's like, I'm going to punch him in the stomach. I'm just punch him in the stomach. I'm punch. I'm going to punch that Eric Stoltz right in the gut. But he got fired before they could film that. So he was like, ah, oh. he's like, ah, oh, well, I'll take, I'll take Success what I can get. He got was fired. A good revenge. Right. Um, and apparently he drew upon his own personal experiences of being bullied as a child to create the Biff persona. Um, but just saying that just made me think of another pair because there's this movie, The Mighty, from I think the late 90s that was based on this book that I liked as a kid called Freak the Mighty that stars Eldon Henson. And I think they maybe just make him look like he's a giant in the film. And he like teams up as like a kid, like with another like he's like bullied because he's a tall, like monosyllabic giant. Mm-hmm. And he like befriends I think like a kid on crutches and like the two of them are like freak and max and they're like we're they, they like we're freak the mighty and it's kieran culkin as the younger so i was like ooh, young kieran culkin as yes. marty mcfly ooh, ooh, that's good and eldon henson as thomas f wilson i like 
I think I would be really good. Kieran Culkin in general. Marty McFly? Kieran I think Culkin, that's good that casting. That is excellent casting. Yeah. yeah He's yeah, definitely yeah. someone who, like, I don't believe is going to actually hurt me, but has, right, right. man, can he deliver a quip? Um, so, of who actually was up for it, J.J. Uh, Cohen, who of Biff's uh, squad, there is Match, played by Billy Zane, um, 3D, who I forgot that actor's name offhand, and jj cohen who plays the unfortunately monikered skinhead um because he's got a buzzed haircut so he was originally considered for the role of biff after eric stoltz was cast as marty but he was replaced by thomas f wilson because cohen was considered not physically imposing enough next to the six foot tall stoltz Mm. and was instead cast as skinhead but according to bob gale had michael j fox been cast from the beginning cohen would have probably won the part because he was much taller than the five foot four fox so that like yeah. shuffling of so happened a lot where you had okay you oh, got yeah. I mean, Michael J- you got uh yeah Michael or Eric Stoltz uh Melora Hardin and then you had to get Thomas F Wilson cuz you're like okay well you're not tall enough JJ Cohen. Yeah. Um but that so easily could have changed. Wow. I mean you're casting an ensemble, you know. It's yeah. it, especially when you have like a pack of four guys and I feel differently about the bully being really tall than I do about the girlfriend being taller. You know what I mean? Like there's I get if you're like the physically overpowering thing is useful. It's not as you can still, again, as we were talking about, do camera tricks, but like. Well, it's also, you know, you come in, you know, if it was some whatever, there's an actor that's up for this that uh, had like, is not a tall gentleman, but it's still like, oh yeah, but has that just aggro bro, awful energy. It's like, you kind of, whatever. That's what you gain in its stead, you know? Absolutely. Um, But I hear you. Uh, but also, that sound means it's time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guy. I'm surprised every time, <laughs> even though we play it every, every episode. Time. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Biff and one was not. And Amy Joe has to guess which is which. Your options are Val Kilmer, <laughs> Billy Zane, mm. and Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins? Who was the first one? Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer immediately flew from my mind. Um, okay, you're so tricky because I would think Billy Zane might also have been up for, but we've just talked about how the other guy. But you'd think because it's like oh, you would probably all those guys went in and read for Biff because some of them didn't even have lines. Um, and then it's just like great, you'll be one of the guys. But maybe you're trying to trick me. I don't know. Val. Val Kilmer. Um, sure. Um, Tim Robbins, who is a tall drink of water. That guy's a tall gentleman. But so soft-seeming in the heart. Mm. I guess maybe I've just never seen Tim Robbins play someone truly just like... A big bully. I'm just a big yeah. bully. Um, but even I'm just gonna... Yeah, you better help me get out of here, Morgan Freeman. Get him out of this jail or I'm gonna knock you around. I'll take this rock hammer to your head. Oh, yeah. Andy Dufresne just starts swinging that hammer. Hey. <laughs> oof. Gosh. What a good movie. Oh, um, so good. All right. This, the, if I had my druthers, I'd say <laughs> it's not Tim Robbins, but I'm gonna go with it's not Billy Zane. I'm sorry. That is incorrect. Oh, I was right. I'm Val Kilmer. 
Val Kilmer, as far as I could tell, was not considered. That's for wise. Beth. That's why. At least Tim Robbins can act, bully. I thought you were going to just say can act. Well, that's what I. Meant. Val Kilmer can act. Sure, sure, yes. Well, yes. we'll agree to disagree on that. No, I think he, Val Kilmer can, can certainly act. He can. Um, and especially He's... then, there was, and he was like really going for it with your, you know, your Top Guns and your Willows, and he was like, "I am." He's in Top Gun. An actor. Yeah, he's Iceman. He's like the second lead. He's See, the this one. This is what happens when you never watch a movie. That's what happens when you never watch Top Gun. You don't know Val Kilmer's in Top Gun. You sure don't. Yeah, it's him. He's like his. Him. It's like him and Tom Cruise are like, well, we don't get along until we're going to play some oiled up volleyball. And now I was like, hey, you know what? Yeah, we don't get along. But now, what if we're on the same side? So now we can get along together? Question mark. Frenemies. Frenemies. It's a real frenemy. I turn just knew now. Tom Cruise has the need for speed He's and got that need aviators. For speed. Um, and finally, we have Doc Brown. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Christopher Lloyd? And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? What a ridiculous, delightful performance. You can't take your eyes off him. The every clownery, moment. The The, <laughs> just the way, I mean, what a lesson. You know, when you're in drama school and they're like teaching you technique and stuff, I really wish that people had like curated stuff and shown us more clearly like w- made us watch things and gone i want you to watch like something fun like back to the future yeah and been like just look at how he handles props just watch the way he opens the front door if we just watched like that scene where he finds him back in 55 and like the way he opens the door and pulls marty in and then the way that he like opens the door is like it's your mother She's found you. She's tracked you down. You know, when he just opens the door and like gestures her in and just like his body language in the background. It's like you, there's so much to learn from watching this just ridiculous performance. Yeah. I mean, such great lines, just line after line of comedic hits. And, but also just looking at it from a visual standpoint, it Mm. could work as a silent film. Every moment you're like, you know exactly what is happening with the most ridiculous over the top facial expressions. He's watched Harold Lloyd, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when that car when he's like doing the practice run where he's got the, the scale model where he's like, sorry, I didn't have time to scale, <laughs> no, p- scale paint about. it. Uh, and that remote control car bursts into flames, flies off, drives away into a pile of like oily rags. And, and it just goes cans. and paint it just goes up and his face just like, <laughs> Oh, it's every time I will crack up. Hilarious. Oh, it's so good. Um, here, the, here is something I found hilarious. So, I went, I was like, right, when was he born? I do my thing of like, I like try to look at like who was exactly the same age and who's around that age. So he was born in 1938. They filmed this in like 84, right? Which means he was 46 when Mm -hmm. filming this movie, which the character is clearly supposed to be like 60 and 30. Like if he was really his own age, when when Michael J. Fox goes back in time, he's 16 years old. Like like Christopher Lloyd would legitimately have oh, been 16 sure. well, in 1955. I think he was supposed to be, I, I would assume that he was supposed to be like late 40s in 1955. Because then, so late 50s, late 60s, like he's like late 70s yeah. in 1985. Is Regardless, how I would guess. I, I assume he was much older because yeah. that hair and make the like I know, wrinkles it's like they so put on intense. Him, the but so I was like, okay, who's 46 okay. now? Yeah. Oh, Here dear. are people who are okay. 46 now. <laughs> Ben Affleck. Great Doc Brown choice. Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, Ryan Phillippe. Oh, oh, God. Joaquin Phoenix. These are not people I'm suggesting for the role. I'm saying yeah. these are just people who are I know, the I know age that I know Christopher Lloyd. Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix isn't terrible. Casting. Not terrible. Uh, Seth Green. Seth Green is 40. 46. Six. Is that not? Time. Wild. The inevitable march of time. It's just like imagining, but also just like imagining any of these guys. Being able to present right. as 70. Oh, you know what, though? 
I don't know if he's 46. He's probably a little younger. But if it was made today, Bill Hader. Oh, that's fantastic. I was trying to think of comedians, and I don't know why Bill Hader didn't occur to me. That's a great option. I'm almost positive he's played Doc Brown in at least three different SNL sketches. Oh, well, there you go. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the or it eyes. Might be, they might have one. They sometimes do like a sketch where it's like as if they've just uncovered these audition tapes of like uh-huh, actors that auditioned. Uh-huh. And I think he might have done one on Back to the Future, but him as Alan Alda, <laughs> as Alan Alda auditioning, I think maybe either to play, possibly to play Marty McFly, maybe to play Doc Brown, but oh possibly Marty gosh. McFly. Either way, always fun. Bill Hader, I always find so, I love Bill so Hader. funny. Well, that's good casting. I do have some SNL people on this. Love it. Great. Um, so my SNL choices. This is not great casting. It's not. But Mm -hmm. I was like, who would be considered for today? I feel like Will Ferrell would be on the list. I don't actually think he's a great choice. But I'm like, he would be in consideration for it. But I was like, you know who I want? Mm -hmm. I want Kate McKinnon. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I want Kate of McKinnon for, we want her for everything. everything. But also, another comedian, I was like, you know who else would be great is Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Just like hilarious. We've all seen Ghostbusters, you know, like I believe she's a scientist. She's a wacky scientist. I mean, she's wearing a very similar hat in that film of the like the little sciencey hat. Yes. Um, and then I also was like, you know, else who would be so weird is Amy Sedaris. Like oh, to give yeah. a similarly leveled yeah. like bananas performance. Um, Amy Sedaris. Now, another person who's forty six, who I was like, oh, because I was just looking at people who were this age, and I was like, oh, you know who would be actually good is David Harbor who I believe is on Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. I only know from Frankenstein's Monsters, Monster Frankenstein. Frankenstein, But like (laughs) just that kind of largesse and like like character. I mean, he's he's a very different energy to Christopher Lord. But but I could see that he, I I would buy that. I could see that wild-eyed intensity. For sure. That he brings on Stranger Things. I could see that. I could see that. Cool. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I was like of that time, I was like, if you can't get Christopher Lloyd, this is Christopher Walken, man. Oh, I think this is yes. like that's a good use of him and a good yeah. time to catch him. Yes, he is still like full tilt boogie of like serious actor. He yeah. hadn't kind of whereas now he's just like I'm a here. parody of himself. Yeah. You know, it's just easy. Like, oh, I'll just go in and do my thing. Yeah. Um, opposed it's what to the back people then, you know, see. he's he's an Oscar winner for that yeah, yeah. Deer Hunter, but also so funny. I could I could so see that or like a Danny Glover. I think will totally. be really good. Yeah. Um, or maybe an Alan Arkin. Maybe. It's not yes. quite the level, the pitch where I want it. Um, totally. But it's also, this is such an iconic character. It's such an iconic performance. It's so difficult to imagine yeah. somebody else doing it. Exactly. You almost have to go for someone like Walken who is unafraid to go there. Yeah. Um, but I can see. Nicholas uh, Cage. Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying, but no. He's not afraid to go anywhere. That's No, he's certainly not. He's certainly not. The past? <laughs> um, I, already, but, I already live there. Oh, yeah, but I've been I, living in the future since 1992. I feel like Alan Arkin is someone who, if we hadn't seen a Christopher Lloyd version, it could yeah. have been still a really like fun performance. Oh, sure. Uh, so producer Neil Canton offered the role of Doc Brown to Christopher Lloyd after having worked together on The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension in 1984. Uh, and Lloyd originally turned it down, but changed his mind after his wife convinced him to take the role, which, thankfully. Yeah. And I don't know if it was maybe just worried about being typecast as like, because I mean, I guess Taxi sure. was like, I mean, yes, he was in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, but, but Taxi, Taxi was, was such a thing, big thing. Yeah. yeah. Which I think he was still in the middle of in 1985. I, I don't, know I don't remember offhand. Or it might have like just ended. Uh, I forget off the top of my head. Um, but maybe he just didn't want to be like – because in that show, he's such a like stoned, like weirdo, mm-hmm. 
ex I mean, maybe not ex hippie but like that kind of feel just like burnout like yeah. stone burnout type uh and maybe just didn't was more, worried he'd more kinda of like go, more like vietnam vet kind of uh may, maybe maybe just more in that line yeah um but regardless glad he took it uh oh. first choice though but who turned it down due to a scheduling conflict john lithgow oh now why didn't we think why of him didn't we well maybe you did because you know, I mean, had the list why didn't i we've been watching so much third rock from the so sun. much third rock from the sun that's someone who as we've said largesse not, not afraid, afraid to, to go, go there. there not afraid of that largesse and that i think would be so good oh yeah I, that's a really yeah. good use of lithgow who as we know in in a more mediocre film sometimes just allows himself to go to an unhinged place oh, yeah. that doesn't help him or the yeah. film <sighs> But, you know, the commitment is always The commitment 100%. is always there. He was also in Buckaroo Bonsai with Christopher Lloyd, which I thought was funny. Wow. Um, he instead, which I guess this is what he had the scheduling conflict with, he was doing Santa Claus, the movie in 1985, where he's like an evil toy maker, designer I mean, that's guy. good casting. Uh, it sure is. It sure is. Also up for Doc Brown. And also in Santa Claus, the movie in 85, Dudley Moore. Oh. <gasps> fascinating yeah i was like oh that's interesting you that get that a very different vibe, arthur but, ooh, level so dudley moore i was like okay okay i see that i love dudley moore i wish we had more dudley moore on screen performances you know like you know. Or, or just right I, I know there are plenty but i just wish there were more sure no totally i mean yeah that his performance in arthur is it so is good un real how good that movie is it's so funny some of the best like drunk acting comedic Truly. drunk acting unbelievable uh, on screen good. so good less good james woods was considered for doc Definitely brown a lot okay. less good a lot less comedic of a, 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 a performer it's like mm-hmm. but, 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 but what of his career would make you think that of yeah i don't know I don't, people aren't know. always thinking people aren't always thinking um but I kind of dig this. Peter Boyle was considered. Oh, yes. Oh, that's great. That interests me. That that's, interests me I kind of dig. I can absolutely see it. So used to him as like, you know, either Frankenstein's monster in Young Frankenstein or craggy father and Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah. But I dig it. I, dig I can it. absolutely see it. Donald Sutherland was up for Doc Brown. Oh, I like that. I dig that too. I mean, that today, he's with his like yes. long white hair. I'm like, Cast he's looking he's looking like Doc Brown now. Yes. Uh, Harold Ramis was considered. Oh. Which I thought was interesting. It he is was interesting. He was really big right now because he had directed yeah. National Lampoon's Vacation in 83. And then Ghostbusters was 84. So he's coming off of Ghostbusters. Uh, so he was very big, which I'm like, I mean, he's got that mad scientist hair. Coming in hot. He's coming in hot, that Harold Ramis. Albert Brooks was considered. Ooh, yes. Yeah, I can see that. He just normally doesn't lead. I don't know. It's hard. It's just such he, a. He doesn't have a frenzied energy. Line. Yeah, he doesn't have that frenzied energy. He's still, you know, getting bent out of shape by everything's going. Which is very but different than. Different the way. Yeah. Do, the Doc Brown that we know and love is true. Does. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Chevy Chase. No, thank Unsurprisingly, you. Unsurprisingly, they wanted a name. I get it. Which, 1985, he had Fletch and the National Lampoon's European Vacation. So he was still, he's like, why would I play second fiddle to some TV actor when I'm leading these comedies? No. No. Kind of interested in this. Steve Martin considered for Doc Brown. Oh, very different. But very different. he, man, especially in the 80s, was just like writing that fine line, like really figuring out how to use all the like really wild zany energy that he did from his stand-up and everything and yeah. then put it into more commercial 
like I watched The Jerk for the first time a few mm-hmm. years ago, and I was like, I watched it with you. Yes, I was like this is so bizarre. Like it's very obvious a comedian it's such made a this movie. Beautifully stupid film. That movie. it was really wild. Um, but but like. He, I think by the 80s had really started to figure out like, well, how do I do what I do in the yeah. confines of a major oh, yeah. studio picture? Um, your dirty, rotten scoundrels. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Your dead men don't wear plaid and mm-hmm. my blue heaven and all of me. Yeah, these are, he's such a good comedic performer. I love Steve Martin. And sure. I, I could see that. I don't usually, yeah. I never really saw him do this kind of like character actor. He's always usually like, still, it's a version of him. Yes. Where he is that, like, wild, like, fu- like wild hey, and crazy and also, guy. And it's like, yeah. yeah. Um, leading more with, like, that, a bit, a bit of, sm- just that hint of smarm. Um, Always, yes. But it's what makes him so Oh, the good. dentist. The dentist in Little oh, Shop of Horrors. classique. Talking about iconic classique. Uh, but I like the idea of you slap that, like, crazy hair wig let on him. And, like, wig let him work grow do wi- a lot let him go wild. Him. Yeah, I, I'd be really interested. Danny DeVito was considered. Oh. Speaking of romancing the stone, yes. which is why Zemeckis yeah. wanted him. But he oh. was doing the sequel, Jewel of the Nile in 1985, Aye. so he wasn't available. You know who just occurred to me thinking about like, wait, who am I? I just pictured Steve Martin with the like the big Doc Brown fright wig on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you know who would be great is Kevin Klein. <gasps> yeah. yeah. That would be so good. That's, Kevin Klein is Doc Brown. Yes. That's good casting. Yes. That is great casting. I so on ice. And if I agree so myself. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I like the idea of Danny DeVito. I love the idea yes. of teeny tiny, teeny tiny Danny DeVito and teeny tiny Michael J. Fox. That's such a teeny tiny movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh robin williams was considered oh no that and makes that sense talk about beautiful a beautiful casting. usage of just like a yes. coke fueled performance because he's not there are long stretches where doc brown is not in the film right and so you can have him go you can have him be such a broad performance yes because it doesn't not... overwhelm the film absolutely yeah and Ooh, i'm really into that yeah yeah same john cleese was considered which, I understand it. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad it didn't go in yeah, that direction. No, no. Uh, Eddie Murphy was considered, which oh, fascinates that's, me. That's a. I mean, talk about someone with the like, not even panic energy. Just like he's got so much velocity to him at all times. Oh yeah. It would be obviously a very different performance, but I, I mean, I think that he could pull off Mad Scientist quite well. I would love to have seen that. I mean, yeah. I guess he's doing. I mean, not, he's not really doing Mad Scientist in those like Nutty Professor films. That's a little different. Yeah. But, uh, but it's, it's oh yeah, yeah, got a similar vibe. True, because but this was like because he in eighty two he had forty eight hours, which technically he's like second fiddle mm-hmm. to Nick Nolte, but it's still like such a co lead and still like such a like leading man energy 83 is trading places similar mm-hmm. dan Aykroyd and him but co-leads but still it's eddie murphy star and yeah. then 84 beverly hills cop so i could understand being like i'm not gonna I'm slap not gonna, on a bunch yeah. of if i'm gonna slap on a bunch of makeup and hair I'm gonna be the lead. it's too well it's to i'm gonna do, play eight roles exactly i was thinking of coming to america it's like so he can to, do multiple roles yes. where i could still have my main role still be handsome eddie murphy yeah. and then i could do some character parts so i could see him being like if i could play martin mcfly too <laughs> if i play all well, the characters i mean like they could have done also because he's like younger yeah. looking oh, yeah. than christopher lloyd has ever looked <laughs> eddie murphy now is so much younger than christopher lloyd was when he was born exactly, exactly. Baby, baby baby lloyd baby christopher, baby lloyd. christopher lloyd i would love to see a baby picture of christopher lloyd because i bet he's one of those babies that looked like an old man oh my god I, he'd have to be hello i have a monocle Gugaga. I have a Gugaga. i have a monocle <laughs> <laughs> um uh, bill cosby 
was considered well we're all better off not having to not love this movie yeah you know also considered and also in buckaroo bonsai jeff goldblum uh i can see it i can see it i mean he certainly does have as we know a lot of chaos energy he has that chaos energy he sure he's got that ian malcolm chaos Chaos energy energy. i see i get it but i don't think it fits the way that the role and the movie need uh, i agree yeah. i agree also like young jeff goldblum like jeff goldblum now is still like even in like uh thor ragnarok he's still like weirdly sexual like i, I oh. jeff goldblum never turns jeff goldblum that off himself is a kink yes 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 Absolutely. him then he was in like if you look at him in in earth girls are easy and the fly like he was an inc- in- incredible yes. shape yes incredible shape so i'm not sure how i feel about a hyper-sexualized Doc well, Brown. Well, you don't, you know, it's like William Jackson Harper as Cheedy. You slap more layers on him and more clothes well, on him when you don't want to highlight William that Jackson aspect Harper of him. William Jackson Harper is someone who walks through the world. Like, I, yeah, I've yeah, yeah, yeah. met Je- him. Jeff he's Goldblum not- does not have the face of a matinee idol. Not to say he's not an attractive man, but he does not, come, it's not like, um, I, I can't think of any good example. Well, you said like Leonardo DiCaprio, like whatever. It's like if you can't have like someone that looks like a leading man and i think that jeff goldblum is a character lead yes he's never ha- been like yeah i'm purely talking about the way in which he carries his sexuality through the world and into every part it's less about how he looks <laughs> and more about the vibe well i think he's i think there are certainly roles where jeff goldblum has been able to like check the sexuality at the door <laughs> for sure but i think you just like it's more present than it is with Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> you don't think Christopher Lloyd is a sex symbol? <laughs> I think him as Professor Plum is partially funny because you're like, oh, this is the really horny guy, huh? Like, it's it's fun- not because of how he looks. It's just how he presents in the world. Uh, sure. Um, well, how about this in terms of uh, your sex symbols? John Candy considered for Doc Brown. I don't. I don't. I don't, well, then the whole movie has to take place in Chicago. Oh, brother. <laughs> I didn't realize that Doc Brown, along with inventing time travel, played a pretty mean polka. <laughs> <laughs> polka, polka, polka. Yeah. I think it was actually this year in 85. He had like this hour long film, um, which I forgot to write down. So I'm actually going to look this up. But like some kind of, I don't know if it was through SETV, mm-hmm. um, but with him and Eugene Levy <gasps> as this like polka mockumentary like it was like an early version of those well because christopher guest films final tap was early 80s right i think i thought late 80s um i could be wrong uh he had yes tv movie the last polka it's only one hour long but it's a mockumentary that depicts the final concert of yash and stan schmenge aka the happy wanderers with john candy eugene levy rick moranis Catherine o'hara uh yeah i was like what is this this is spinal tap released in 84 oh there you go wow the year before my mistake i didn't realize oh yeah john candy also in 85 had summer rental volunteers some movie with tom hanks that i've never heard of uh brewster's millions and follow that bird the the big bird movie that i also forgot existed wow he was Um, busy he had a very busy 85 he didn't got time to play no doc brown nah um he was too busy following that bird he's got to catch that big bird uh but yeah i'm I'm interested i like it i like john candy um Michael Keaton was considered. Now, having seen Much Ado About Nothing, I feel like I I can envision him being like, 
Yes, let's go oh, yeah. to the places. I mean, Beetle- well, and Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. I mean, Hello. yeah, slap some prosthetics, slap some makeup and hair on me. Yeah, uh, and for sure. I, I see that that him is like, he's a young guy in 1985, but I see him being like, oh, I don't care. I oh, yeah. will play your 80 year old mad scientist. Troll. Make me into a troll. Um, I, which I dig. I dig Michael Keaton as like Doc Brown. I yeah, like I like that. that. I like that. Gene Hackman was considered. Well, which the is... hair is correct already. <laughs> Is it Gene Hackman doesn't usually have his hair is not going that unkempt. It can usually. be. I think I it, it would grow out to quite a. It's true. Quite a maybe thing. in Royal Tenenbaums, where it's usually still slick, but it's still he's keeping it. He's yeah. keeping it longer in those uh later can, later day. I films. actually can can see it. It's not what we tend to associate with this era of Gene Hackman, but I I feel like I mean just the comedy alone, like that, like the comedies that I've seen him in are just never anything. It's no. similar. He's always like it's Gene Hackman because he was a star. He wasn't a character actor. No, true. Well, he was like a like prestige actor. Oh, absolutely. Two Oscars. He's got two that Gene of them. Hackman. Um, but just thinking of like the comedy he's done, like Get Shorty. It's still like not. I don't know if yeah, I see I'm him thinking of as him Doc in Brown. like the Birdcage, where it's his uptightness, yeah. oh, which is absolutely. partially what could work on Doc Brown. But yes, it's not. He doesn't gotcha. have the bent for comedy gotcha. that Lloyd does. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know who does? Gene Wilder. I had was thought of him while we were having this conversation. Oh, I was like, you know, who would be my great? Heart, Gene Wilder. My heart. That would be. I, I would love that. that. I love Gene Wilder. I love that. as Doc Brown. That I, when you said Peter Boyle, I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, why aren't we talking about Gene Wilder? I mean, give me Madeline Kahn as Doc Brown. Give me Madeline Kahn and everyone. Actually, she looks a lot like what's her face, whose name I cannot remember. Leah Thompson. Thank you. Oh. Um, she looks similar she to her. She does look a little like Leah Thompson. Yeah, but those are all the characters that I found other casting options for. Um, but there are a few characters we didn't mention, so I want to briefly touch on them. Let's do it. So we got George McFly, Crispin Glover, as we talked a bit about him. Just so good, so weird. What a, what weird, a weirdo! But a Great weird, per- performance weird performance that sits so well on him and in this movie. It like that still reads truth. Yes, it's so out there, but it's also is like. Is this how you are in real life? I mean, it is wild. I was watching it like, how did they just like let him do all this? But I'm so <laughs> delighted that they did. Apparently, he lost his voice due to nervousness while filming the movie. So for some scenes, he had to silently mouth his lines and his voice would be dubbed in later at a recording studio, wow. which I would never have guessed. So it's like they did a great job dubbing him. Um, See, he was the method actor all along. The made himself so, he nervous so nervous that he couldn't <laughs> even talk. <laughs> But he Take just a note, Stoltz. wasn't a jerk about it. <laughs> uh, and Leah Thompson. Lorraine. Wonderful. Lorraine, 23. So sorry, Leah Thompson. I've not remembered your name once <laughs> through this uh, venture, but so great. Yeah. Apparently, in 1984, she had done a movie, The Wildlife, acting opposite Eric Stoltz. So she was cast in this film in part to recreate their chemistry. Wow, 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 wow. And then like in 86, she's in also with Eric Stoltz, uh, Some Kind of Wonderful, which I think is another John Hughes film. So like she acted with him a lot, which I'm like, what an awkward filming experience that must have been to or after this. If it's if they're maybe, friends, maybe, then it's yeah. like we can like commiserate together. That's you true. know, she and whether or not however she felt about yeah, the I, replacement, I, we know, you know that Christopher Lloyd didn't even know what his name was, uh, and we know Thomas F. Wilson was not a fan of the method. So I don't know. I, I think Thomas F. Wilson also had a quote where he was like, "Yeah, the only time that he wasn't in character was when he was hitting on Leah Thompson." <gasps> so, so, so maybe she's also. Which if they'd have done a movie before together, they might have had just like a flirty yeah. friendship or, or you whatnot. Know, it's like Who you knows? Kind of, uh, sometimes you just—that's the easiest way to get through 
Absolutely. a weird situation oh, sure. with someone who's I'm awkward sure. is like, all right, I'll just flirt back and it'll be pleasant enough. Totally. But that like, you, so you must've been like, they must've been filming some kind of wonderful when back to the future came out or thereabouts. Maybe she managed to like, okay, my last filming day is like the weekend before back to the future comes out. So I can pretend like, Oh, Eric, it was so bad. Eric, it was, we hated it. We missed you. Everyone missed you. Everyone thought that Michael J. Fox, what a stinker. I, what a loser. Um, the movie will totally flop now. I'm going to get out of here as this movie becomes the highest grossing film yeah, of the year. Well, I mean, uh, it's it's helpful that she wasn't the one who oh, fired true. him. That, you know? oh, you, I, I, how, could, how could you? How could you even like face the person? I'd be no. like, I can't make another you movie couldn't. with this person no, that I had couldn't. fired. No. Yeah, of course, of course. But I'm sure it was. It sounds like he awkward. said he's un, he understood like I wasn't a good right. fit for this. But look, yeah. that's still got to absolutely... Yeah crush crush definitely definitely but leah thompson so good in this so good. at 23 man like I, I i she's been in things and she still pops up in things around but it's not you know at the i think it was the year after this that she's in that movie howard the duck which was such a big bomb mm. that that really hampered her career which that's stinks. a real sad thing you know she's basically playing three roles on this you know and she does them all really well she acquits herself beautifully like it wasn't until because again i hadn't seen this movie in so long but like it it isn't until like you see her in 1955 you're like oh my gosh she's a kid you know because the makeup is like you can tell like they've made her look older but like it's like oh no 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 she's like barely out of her teens you know know, i know she had said uh, i'm i'm kind of paraphrasing but she had said like she had a i forget if it was her agent at the time or if it was just some like hollywood agent that was early on in her career that was saying like well you know you know like you're pretty much you're getting like you're going out there for like pretty much three different roles you're going out there for like uh, like mothers, virgins, and whores, and she's like, and that's why this film is so. My role in this film is so good because I get to play all three yes. in one character, <laughs> which I thought was great. Yeah, uh, yeah, and she's God. It's just so good. It's such an underrated performance in this film because it's not. You know, I, you think of Michael J. Fox, you think of Christopher Lloyd, but she has to sell a lot. Oh yeah, so quickly. Yeah, because I was shocked when we like paused it when they she they got back in time and I was like, we're already almost 40 minutes into yeah, this film and he wild. just got to 1955 yeah. it's like 36 minutes when he like gets goes back in time and gets out of the barn where i was like oh wow we are good we have x amount of time to like get through everything else she does such a good job of really just like having such a clear point of view about her relationship to each person in whatever storyline she's in you know like it's just crystal clear in her eyes and in the tone of her voice which is like that is acting but like she's so unlike you know i didn't see eric stoltz's performance in this because we none of us did but it's it's completely not on her like there's no self-absorption in the performance it is all outward it is all like her irritation and her disappointment with george in the first part oh, and man. then like him, all him calvin just eating focused. like as if it was a bowl of cereal him just eating a bowl of peanut brittle oh my gosh oh the one of my favorite just to go back to crispin glover one of my favorite moments that i made you rewind to because you hadn't seen yes. it is like when they're at the diner counter and he's like oh my gosh it's george mcfly and then biff comes in yeah and then george, like, george is getting bullied by biff yeah and then like skinhead is like oh look at this life preserver sailor thinks he's gonna 
going to drown. They and turn, making fun back, of Marty. And they're laughing, and it cuts back to Crispin Glover, who is, like, laughing, right. like, ha, 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 that like, guy. And then, like, listen, McFly. And he, like, straightens back up. Yeah, he is so, like, oh, you're going to make Anybody fun of someone else? else? I'm happy to immediately make fun of, like, get. It is so good. <sighs> it's just, like, what a spineless, He immediately turns. Oh, so guy, spineless. You know? So like, spineless, ha, 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 yeah. Oh. Yeah, make fun of his life preserver. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you're back on so me. So good. Right, but, right. but anyway, yeah. So back to. Leah Thompson. <laughs> I am ashamed. You know, I never remember her name is Lorraine. That's why I always forget. I keep for saying, reason. I want to say like, George Lorraine. McFly and Leah Thompson. Lorraine, I never remember. That's her character's name. Um, but anyway, Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson. Nah. Leah. Um, yeah, just like everything's so like hungry for Marty. Oh, yeah. And then in the third one, just like her relationship, her ease, you know, just oh, like yeah. her, the yeah. grown up ease and just like playfulness and and like just more swagger it's just like so well calibrated and like you'd think that would be pretty straightforward and easy but like none none of them feel too pushed too far or like any kind of like clown or buffon work with that it's just like just like really clear like text analysis and and living so present within all of that absolutely definitely um, great. So let's do final thoughts. Anyone that we haven't touched on or anything else that, uh, we didn't get to? I didn't really write many notes for this film because I was enjoying it. Same. I had like, some of these films will do. I've got like three pages. to four pages of notes. This was like half a page. That this one I, I have just like, it's so hard not to just watch this film and enjoy literally it. Literally two bullet points. And I've already talked about both of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's really fun. Uh, really, yeah, holds up. Uh, and is the the acting and the comedy and everything is really enjoyable. Absolutely. Um, so I got three things, two pieces of trivia and one little bonus. So of the trivia, Universal Pictures head Sid Sheinberg did not like the title Back to the Future, insisting that nobody would see a movie with future in the title. In a memo to Robert Zemeckis, he Wait, said- why <laughs> would- why? Why? The future was not hot in 1985, apparently. Apparently, maybe there were some other side. maybe like just putting the word in your title- there were like flops. It was like man, like whatever, the man from the future, or like, you know, if Star Wars was know, called Future just, Wars, maybe people wouldn't go see it. What a, on, I just think it's such an arbitrary thing to say. Well, it's like uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit doesn't have a question mark at the end because that was considered bad luck for your title to end in a question mark. That's different. That feels like a superstition, which is maybe a little uh, obnoxious, but like I get, as opposed to. No one's going to see a movie with future in the title for no well, reason. Well, there might be a reason is what I'm saying. There might have been other films in the early 80s, I get late it. 70s. I just think it's Sci-fi typical, films made like, for $10 in a song, someone, and a, and a song and a hope and a dream. Someone gets an idea in their head and because they have a lot of money behind it, they get to make the decision. Okay. Anyway, go on. Well, it well, just let's, let's hear me. if Sid had some better ideas before we pile oh, on old poor Sid right. Scheinberg. Poor, poor Universal Pictures had Sid Scheinberg. So he was like, no one will see a movie with future in the title. So in a memo to Robert Zemeckis, he said that the title should be changed to Spaceman from Pluto. <gasps> now, do we think... <laughs> now, are we going to... You look like you want to judge this title right off the bat. You look like you, you are not a fan of the title <laughs> Spaceman from Pluto. <laughs> Um, well, I'll explain <laughs> if you, oh my goodness, I cannot believe how much you are piling on poor Sid Scheinberg, the poor head of Universal Pictures in 1984. Go on. 
So this would tie in with all the Marty as alien jokes. No, in the I film. get that, Sid. Oh, okay, well, making sure you get that. And he also suggested further changes, like replacing the "I'm Darth Vader from Planet Vulcan" line. We didn't talk about that. That great scene where mm-hmm. George is like, mm-hmm. "I'm not gonna ask out Lorraine." Darth so he puts Vader's on, gonna right, melt my mind. <laughs> Darth Vader came down from the planet Vulcan and said, "If I don't ask Lorraine to the dance, he's gonna melt my brain." That's uh, it's such a br- so, so brilliant as Marty in like the full radiation suit. Uh, um, which I love then Doc is like, why are you in this radiation suit? Oh, of course, from the fallout, from the plutonium, from like the atomic from the, war, from the atomic, atomic wars. wars. Just every line, every line is a killer. Doesn't like, even bother explaining. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so he wanted that, I'm Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan, to be replaced with, I am a spaceman from Pluto. Which then the title makes a lot, the, the title Spaceman from Doesn't Pluto makes a lot more sense if you add the line, I am a spaceman from Pluto. Scheinberg was persuaded to change his mind by a response memo from Steven Spielberg. <gasps> Which thanked him for sending a wonderful joke memo and that everyone got a kick out of it. And Scheinberg, too proud to admit he was serious, gave in to letting the film retain its title. What a baller move from Spielberg wow. to be like, oh, I'm just going to immediately, I know what, I know. He, he knew it wasn't a joke, but I'm just going to write back and be like, That's that like... was a hilarious joke when you suggested I am a spaceman from Pluto. Oh my God, Sid, still cracking up, guys. Still cracking up. Beautiful use I of passive it, aggression. I framed it because it's so funny great use of passive like that's how we use it for good in the world you know that's how we use it for good it's against a studio head who's made a really stupid <laughs> suggestion <laughs> a space <laughs> i can't eat i can't uh, it hurts i'm rubbing my temples you sure are okay. um and this just kind of going back to like the lasting power of this film and how good of a film this is why we were barely taking notes we were just enjoying watching it in 2010 during a cast reunion michael j fox said that strangers still call him mcfly constantly mm-hmm. fox because also he's only aged like a tiny bit i know it's like marty did you come here from 1985 <laughs> are you still a teenager uh, but he said that the most remarkable instance was when he was in a remote jungle in the eastern himalayas and a group of buddhist monks passed him and one of them looked at fox and said marty mcfly oh my gosh <laughs> That's fantastic. All right. And uh, Amy Joe, I just felt like ending with this. We're going to do another little quiz. Oh. Which Back to the Future character are you? Oh, my gosh. I just found some on quiz online. It is not BuzzFeed. It is Zimbio. No idea. I for, I, for whatever reason, I decided to look this up. And now, listener, let's find out. Which Back to the Future character is Amy Joe? Which one am I? Choose your milk. Regular. Chocolate. Or no thank you. Chocolate. <laughs> Choose your Pepsi. Pepsi or Diet Pepsi. No option for Pepsi-free. No option for neither? Sorry, no. You got to drink Pepsi or Diet Pepsi. I'll do Pepsi. Dog or cat? Well, I like them both, but I always wanted a cat. Choose a leisure activity. Reading comics, shopping, driving my car, any sport, or building something. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Um, I oh Gosh, I hate to say shopping, but like... I want to stay as far away from sports as possible. You know what? When I have been driving a lot in a car that has decent brake response in an area with which I am familiar, I like driving a car. Let's, Let's say driving a car then. Be- us being New Yorkers, we're not driving too often. No, we are so not. I get it. Now, Amy, do you wear Calvin Klein? Yes or no? No. Uh, no. What's the best kind of fertilizer? Bone meal? Bat guano? Cow manure? Organic compost or chemical fertilizer? It took me a minute to figure out why on earth this was a question. And then I remember the boys getting covered with a truck full of manure. Okay. um, Bat guano. Bat guano. Because it can also sometimes be made into mascara, maybe? When faced with adversity, how do you typically respond? I stay cool, 
I get angry, I retreat, I get scared, or I think. I retreat. (laughs) (laughs) You and me both. Seriously, how many gigawatts? 1.11, 1.21, 1.31, or 1.41? I like the number three. Let's go 1.31. 1.31. What kind of kid were you in school? Teacher's pet, class clown, bully slash tough guy, nerd, or invisible? I was a teacher's pet. Bully tough guy, right? Oh, teacher's pet. Big big surprise. Big surprise. Teacher's pet. They didn't call call you Biff Jackson? No, that I did get called teacher's pet sometimes, but I promise I wasn't trying. <laughs> I was just really good at English. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, Amy, Joe, do you mind if we park for a while? No way, Buster. Sure, it's not like I've never done it before. What are you really trying to say? Hell no, let's go. Scree, which I assume is the peel out. Scree. <laughs> or I think we're a little old for that. Uh, sure. It's not like I haven't done it before. (laughs) Me, oh my. Uh, Choose a dance. Cha-cha, waltz, flamingo, foxtrot, or jive. Flamenco? Well, this is flamingo. Clearly they spelled it wrong, and I just read it as it's spelled. (laughs) F-L-A-M-I-N-G-O. Flamingo. That's what I get. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, wait. Um, Maybe this is a new dance. In the future, all the kids will be doing the flamingo. It's the one-legged hop. It's the flamingo, exactly. baby. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you'd have to dance on one foot. It sounds Ooh. that sounds dreadful. It does. Okay, well, my, I, knees are I, already my brain hurting. went haywire okay. after Cha-cha. flamingo. Waltz, flamenco, foxtrot, or jive. Let's let's go with I don't know a waltz. <laughs> Why don't you make like a tree and leave and get out of here and bark? And stand there, or and fall down. Why do you make like a tree and stand there <laughs> while I run away? Ooh, I like it. Twist. Pick a 1985 TV show you liked. Thundercats, Inspector Gadget, He-Man, Gem, or Voltron. Inspector Gadget's the only one I watched, and I did like it. Same. I watched a lot of Inspector Gadget. And finally, if you could travel back to any time, which would it be? Dinosaur times? Ancient Greece? Renaissance? Wild West or 1985? Hmm. I am unfortunately thinking about the complicated hygiene uh, <laughs> that I would I would really be uncomfortable with in many of these eras. But mm-hmm. let's say ancient Those Greece. Those stinky, stinky dinos. There's ancient Greece, great. Ancient Greece, there's good food, there's good theater, um, great. good climate. Amy Jo, you are Lorraine Baines. I am. I also, also forgot to realize that her maiden name was Baines, so Lorraine Baines. Lorraine Baines. Uh, yes, it's all about this description. Lorraine Baines, you're a dainty flower, pretty well. and sweet. You're rather innocent about the ways of the world, but you're eager to learn. You fall in love hard and are thoroughly romantic about everything. Your imagination is one of your best assets, and you aren't afraid to stand up for yourself if pushed. You don't like liars and look for the best in people. Sometimes your manners get in the way of what you really want to say. Wow, it read me to fill. <laughs> This is like me in high school for sure, you know? I've loosened up a bit <laughs> subsequently, listener. I would agree with that. But that is that. Wow, wow, wow. You wouldn't think a quiz asking me if I want to go to the dinosaurs would tell me, uh, you know, maybe you should uh, not be a doormat, kid. Well, I'll tell you this. I had taken the quiz myself because I was just curious if it was yeah. like, I just wanted to see it, make sure it wasn't like stuff like pick an image. Yeah. Uh, and I got Biff. So. That tells you how much, you know, is it's but worth. But maybe um, it's the good qualities of Biff. Oh, the good qualities of Biff. Like, Hi, Marty. You're tall. I'm somewhat tall. Um, I'm not particularly tall. You're... Uh-huh. Oh, you know how to project. I do! <laughs> Aha! 
Um, uh, Full stop. Uh, you got two whole things. Wow. <laughs> there we go. What did it say? Like, you're a real bad dude. Oh, I don't dude. remember. You're a bad, you're, you're a real they bad news bear. think he's a real bad dude. They think he's a real bad dude. <laughs> sure. Amy Jo. Jeff. What are you recommending this week? Well, it's a new year. Oh, thank I God. Thought, <laughs> let's see how we do. Um, but I thought I would spend at least the first few episodes of this next year recommending specific artists Great. that I like. Um, uh, so the first person that I'm going to recommend you check out if you don't know their work is Joel Kim Booster. Oh, He's a comedian. Hilarious. I mean, if, if you're familiar at all with like the New York comedy scene or like gay comedy podcasts, you know how funny Joel Kim Booster is. Um, he has a uh, an album, a comedy album called Model Minority. You can find it on iTunes. So funny. It's recorded live several years ago. Um, he's on that show Sunnyside, which I never watched, but like he is just one of the funniest comedians I've ever seen. He's and you, he, there's tons of YouTube clips of him on like Conan and all sorts of stuff, you know, mm. but he I, I really think is going to blow up at some point. I mean, he's already like really well known right. within the comedy world. But yeah. as far as like his acting and stuff like that, he's on, I think, a few episodes of Shrill. He's I mean, he's like guested all over. He uh, again, like you can find him on just about every uh, like gay comedy podcast that there is. Um, he has a podcast he co-hosts with, I believe, Mitra Johari called Urgent Care. That's quite funny. But like just go and go into a youtube spiral of joel kim booster that's three names um you won't regret it he's so funny go you know too much talent for just two names it's so true and he's gorgeous so you know if you want thirst traps find him on instagram and you won't be sorry about it so anyway amazing uh, Jeff. Uh, Amy Jo. What are you recommending this week? I want to recommend the 2019 film The Vast of Night, uh, which I just have just a few similarities to this film. What with it taking place in the 1950s and having that sci-fi edge. Uh, it's one night in New Mexico in the late 1950s. A switchboard operator and a radio DJ discover a strange audio frequency, uh, and they spend the night like tr- like pretty much trying to figure out like is this like from extraterrestrials like Mm. what is going on um but it's so good this movie was made it's like such a low budget film it's this guy andrew patterson wrote it directed it edited it um produced it like wearing all these hats uh and the actors it's like this main main two that play the um switchboard operator and Rito dj i've never heard of sierra mccormick and jake horowitz but they're incredible like amazing chemistry the first like 15 minutes of the film is mainly just a walk and talk of following them around and it feels like a like a before like a richard link later like before sunrise mm. before sunset thing um just listening to them talk before we even get to like the mystery of this audio frequency where in any other film it's like let's get to the event let's get to like the mystery and here it's like they also have a very like stylized 1950s like lingo that they create oh, which fun. is a lot of fun it reminded me a little of brick in that kind of way mm um of like the 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 dialogue and lingo that they use uh but i I, it really blew my socks off i like knew nothing going in and i was utterly delighted by it it's such a small film it's like the budget is nada so don't be expecting like any kind of oh there'll be a big old alien space battle none of that no spaceman (laughs) from pluto in this film nary a one Um, one. but uh, the vast of night uh, currently on prime 
uh, if you're listening to this when this episode drops. Uh, I, I absolutely loved it. Highly, highly recommend. And that's what we're recommending this week. Da-da-da. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at endalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. If you'd like to know, gosh, what film are you doing next week so I can watch ahead? Well, find us on Instagram or Facebook at and almost starring. And it's a brand new year, so if it maybe maybe your New Year's resolution was to uh 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 give us five stars, please. Uh, give maybe us a little rating and review your on new your Year's iTunes. Resolution was to to help out podcasters <laughs> who are doing this for free. And what just a strange specific help. resolution that you chose, listener. But I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did too. Thank you so much. <laughs> Why don't you make like a tree and give us five stars? Hey. <laughs> Crush. Crushed. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. Hi, baby Joe Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.